Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. Happy episode 350. 350. What does that make that now? That Snuck makes it uh, uh, seven years ish, yeah. It's their seven-year anniversary, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. Well, like, it gets shorter. So, I mean, we're you know uh, at this point. I mean, it's two years or two two episodes short every single year. Yeah. So at this point, you know, six years, seven years in, or whatever. Times it's like, two. You know, so we're fourteen days, fourteen weeks short. Fourteen weeks short. It's fine. I don't ish. care. I'm still writing it anyway, John. <laughs> Me too, man. Seven <laughs> years. Um, we had at some point said for our 350th episode we were going to do a uh, a re-review of. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. That's right. But um, you know, this we this kind of snuck up on us. It did. Uh, I literally just got back from vacation like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I like I, I I don't think I even realized. Like last week, I knew it was forty nine, but like yeah. I didn't I didn't really like put two and two together. Yeah, you were like, oh, it's it's happening next it's fine. week. It's just we'll, we'll, it's do, we'll do it later. We, I do we have think a great that, topic today. That's right, we do. We're talking about the best everything. Of the past decade. Of the past decade. Everyone else did that before the end of the year. Yeah. We held it, because we had other great things to talk about, well, we Chris, held it till now. So many people jumped the gun because they like did early December. Mm. And it's like, you still got a whole month. There could be some amazing right? stuff that happens in that last 30 days. Did you include anything from the last month in yours? I definitely might. Chris. Which means I don't think you did. I don't know that I I, and, I, uh, I don't think I have. To, you're gonna try to think of something while we uh I may <laughs> have finished something that's that gonna I'll go talk on the list? about. Like well like like maybe like a game or whatever. It's like it came out earlier this year, but I finished it in that time frame. That's what I'm trying to figure out in my huh. head right now. All right, all right, all right, all right, if that yeah. happens. I can go with you. I don't sure. know that I included anything from 2019. I I'll I'll, oh, really? I'll I'll look back at my list, but uh I actually like it's interesting to look back at, at those things and put dates on them and be like, oh, yeah. that was a good year. And like, oh man, that happened you like know? in the past 10 years. I yeah. can't believe it. Or like even like just in the same year, like where it's like oh, 2015, no. 20, 2014 were like really good oh, yeah, years. There's some, there's 2018 some, was there's a really some good interesting year. Coincidences uh, in there. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we're going to talk about that later. Um, but first, uh, John, what have you been up to this week? So as I said, I've been on, on the old vacay. Yeah. And uh, that was fun. Uh, I know we haven't been together in. Uh, in At least two weeks. Yeah, because I think you and you and uh, Connor did it last week, right? Uh-huh. And, and then, then it was me you and Jared. Jared did it a week before. So it was like three three episodes, like two episodes. And I think we pre-recorded that one before that, right? That's right. That's did right. We? I think so. I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't remember either, man. Okay. Um, but I will say. <laughs> no, we did because it was the week of Christmas. Yeah, we didn't yeah do you're right. The week you're of right. Yeah, we didn't do it the day after Christmas. Right? Something. Whatever. It doesn't matter, Chris. It's, all it's in been the past. a minute. It doesn't matter because it's in the past. It's what Fiki said. I mean, but honestly, you know, we're we're going to be talking about a decade into the past, so it does matter, Chris. The past does that, okay, matter. Okay, for for for, the, for our list, the past matters. That's right. right. But it, whenever you view it in a big chunk, like a decade, yeah, things like two weeks ago don't matter that much, you know, because that's Correct. a small percentage of that decade. Small potatoes. That's right. Um, but the uh, the vacation, awesome. We went to Disney. We ran some races. That was a great time. Des ran his first hundred meter what? race. That was really fun. Um, they have like they they, uh, they bring you to the track or whatever, and uh, you know they we were there on the field with them or whatever. And it's like, oh, what do you mean they bring set? you the track? Go well, like I mean, you go to the track oh, and okay. uh, it's, okay. it's at the actual like uh, 
ESPN uh, Wide World of okay, Sports. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And so you go out there, and uh, Pluto was was on the track and was nice. like helping people finish. And Des <laughs> like he, he went to town, man. He was like shoot, 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 shoot. some parents were like carrying their kids, and it's like wow, we can't do that. Like Des no. is gonna walk, like do, do this do whole thing. And he did. Um, he was the last person of like he was in the last heat of the day, and it was like the last person to go across nice. the finish line. And that was pretty actually pretty awesome because like Pluto was literally just there like at the finish line. Des like walked by himself through the finish and like walked over to Pluto and like squeezed his nose, you know, grabbed his I nose, saw. grabbed his hand and showed oh. him his number as well. And then he like turned. Yeah. He held it up to him. It was like, okay, cool. Amazing. And then they, he turns and then they like, he put his head down so they could put the metal over him. Yeah. Which I thought was oh. awesome. I was like, how did you know to do that? That's cute. Anyway, it was a really good time. Uh, that was awesome. The, uh, the races were really fun, but there was also before the races, the first day that we got there, we were there and uh, we rode the new Star Wars ride. Mm. And in fact, I rode actually Smuggler's Run too, which was one I hadn't done before. So I piloted the Millennium Falcon. Nice. First of all, Chris. Was it awesome? It was amazing. So uh, there's two spots up in the front. Like, yes. Right? What do the two different people there's do? Two pilots. Okay. There's so you, two gunners and okay. two engineers. Okay. So you both pilot? Yeah. So, like, the way that it works out, like, I kind of wish that they would, like, have, like, here's the special edition one pilot, you know, where it's yeah. like I get to control both spots, you yeah. know? It's because one person controls, like, left, right. The okay. other person controls up and down. Ah. I was the up and down part. Okay. And uh, and so two things with that. So I was the right pilot. Mm. If you get the chance to be the right pilot, yeah, be the right pilot. Okay. Because here's the kicker: the right pilot is the one that sends you to light speed. Nice. Pulls the lever. Did you know that beforehand? <laughs> no, I had no idea. That's awesome. Um, but I, I just kind of like happened where to, you're at. Well, like they hand you a pilot, like they hand you your role on yeah. a card, and so like I knew I was a pilot, and I was like, "This is amazing. Yeah, this is great." And then, uh, and then How'd like you, you stand, it? like you li- like stand and and like six like a configuration of six you're like oh line up you know and, so you can maneuver your way in and yeah you could that spot and honestly like we both uh Catherine like because we have des like we did rider swap and so like Mom, after, after i rode your way in after i rode she rode so like as single riders i think you get to pretty much like you know choose what your role kind That's of cool. is um in, in that case like because it was like oh well it was late at night. We were single riders and it was like, we were the first ones that they let through. Like, okay, yeah, you, yeah. you come on through. Um, I'd think like during the heat of the day, it might be a situation where it's like, Oh no, we have like a group of five. And then like, you know, so then, you know, you get put in the backseat or whatever. Um, but, the cool thing about the ride is like they gamify it a little bit where it's like, oh, we uh, like if you're really good, you get like a good ending or a good path of like, oh, you get a little bit longer oh. or something like that what? happens. Like maybe not a little bit longer, but like, hey, we didn't we took down the TIE fighters. We didn't like, you know, take as much damage, that sort of thing. Huh. They give you a score at the end of like the amount of credits that you earned on this job <laughs> that you're doing. Um, and so anyway, like Catherine's group did way better than my group did. Oh, wow. um, you know, I, I will try to blame you know the other the other pilot be like nah I was totally other, but it was probably me is what I'll say <laughs> you know it was most likely that I was so enamored with what was happening here yeah. this is the millennium fucking I'm just like smashing into things <laughs> drifting around turns anyway the uh, so I was controlling up and down yeah and whenever we went to light speed like you can the, the gunners like will fire at ships and fire at like these different things and you're trying to steal cargo nice as supplies for the resistance that's cool and uh, and so it's you know it's a super fun ride that's my awesome. thing was like this ride is like maybe not 
like super intense, like not as intense as something like um, the Flight of Passage or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is because of the Star Wars element, because like yeah. you're literally in the Millennium Falcon, yeah. pushing buttons, flipping like levers, and pulling like the lights. It's like this; you can't be beat. Yeah. You know that was it was super fun. Um, the other ride we did did the uh, the brand new one that came out in like early December, and uh, it's called the Rise of the Resistance, mm. and uh, and that like depends on how much you want to know about it. Uh, I don't want spoilers. Sorry, okay. spoilers. Okay. It's, that is an experience. Like, I would say huh. it is... What does that even mean? Like, it is... Here's what I'll say, Chris. It's basically two rides okay. and some stuff in between. Okay. And it's like a 22-minute long thing. Whoa. And, like, you come out the other side and, like, you know, you, you've changed. I'm totally kidding. You haven't changed. But like it was it's it's fantastic. Like again, it's two rides and like something like some stuff in the middle. Yeah. And uh it's it's definitely got more of the uh kind of like theatrics and like animatronics and Hollywood Studios-esque like stuff going on. That's cool. Um it's like a high octane version of if you've gone on it, like the great movie ride. I love the great movie ride. You know, so it's similar to that, where like the, like that's the but it's in the Star Wars and like you're doing things and then you know stuff is happening around you and stuff. So Okay. All it's right. it's a good one. Yeah, I okay. will say like I got off that one and I was like, uh, is what it, okay. was that? Okay, okay, hang on. Yeah. You say like the great movie ride, but like, would it be like if I was going to say a high octane version of the great movie ride is like Indiana Jones and Disneyland? It's similar to that. It has that vibe. Like that's the that's the kind of experience that you're kind of going into. But it's a Star Warsy version of that. That's cool. And uh, and it's and going in like not knowing anything is probably the best way to go in because it's like okay, I know this is going to be exciting. I know it's going to be fun. I know there's like multiple like ride you know things that happen within it yeah. but like going and not knowing anything about the story or knowing anything about like what you know what happens when or anything like that is you like that's that's the best way to go in because i knew right. nothing about it all right um and was shocked a number of times okay but yeah that's what uh, that's what i've been up to what have you been up to chris i haven't been up to a lot well i mean you know i've been up to things uh but <laughs> <laughs> i've been doing things yeah. i mean i've honestly like uh since the first of the year i've honestly just been watching a lot of movies and yeah. trying to catch up on like just things i i, I missed last year i think you know like the uh i was like pretty busy last half of last year so i just been watching things yep um but uh my favorite thing that we watched recently i talked about last week um is the witcher nice and uh so i, I finished that series i thought it was great um t- great for our first season it's different enough from like things like game of thrones like uh Game of Thrones isn't real magic-y. This is like super magic-y. You know, Interesting. Like, uh, so, I mean, this whole thing revolves around like magic and and you know, like sorcerers and or they call them mages. So mages and um, and uh, even like The Witcher, you know, like, I mean, if you've played The Witcher or read The Witcher, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I've never done either. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I went into it not knowing what to expect. I was very pleased with it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I uh, yeah, I. Uh, so you finished it then? I finished it. it this great. is the thing. I need to try it because, like, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. And uh, and 
as we all know, like some high fantasy things yeah. are hard for me to get into. Well, so I don't think that, so uh, yeah, it's just hard. Depends on, depends it's on hard like. It's to get, so like, I wouldn't call this high fantasy. Okay, okay. But like, because like high fantasy to me is like Wheel of Time. Right. That series. Yeah, you know, like, you're right, you're or right. Or just like all these like crazy, just like complex, like yep. things to understand. Like this is yeah, pretty yeah. straightforward. Yeah, yeah, But there's just a lot of magic. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 Game of Thrones was straightforward. Yeah. But. There was just less magic, you know. Yeah. I'm a self, I, I, don't know. I think so. For me, as far as like Game of Thrones goes, like I, I, I like tried to get into Game of Thrones. And I was just like, ah, I just didn't find it worth my time. Is the thing like that I ended up with? And I yeah. think maybe if you introduce like increase the magic in Game of Thrones, <laughs> maybe it would have been fine. Like yeah. maybe I would have been like, yeah, this is this is I'm all on board for this. Yeah. Um, because like you know, well, and, and Game of Thrones is a very. I mean, honestly, like if, at the end of the day, Game of Thrones is really just a bunch of people sitting around talking. It's a big political drama. Yeah, you know, totally. that's, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and like, that's, like I just like, couldn't like get on board with a political drama. House, house of Cards yeah. in uh, medieval times, yeah. basically. You know, exactly. And like, that's what I couldn't, I, I couldn't get past it. Where I was yeah. just like, I, I, I would much rather be having this conversation totally. in modern day Washington sure. D.C. Sure, you I, know? Get I, I get, I get it. Um, <laughs> but if this has got the magic, Chris, yeah, it's got magic. I can, I can be in. Cool. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Like, there, uh, the, the, the. Uh, the one thing I, I would talk about at length, but I won't talk about at length. Ooh. Um, I watched a movie that came out last year, the year before. Uh, it's, it's a horror f- film called Midsummer. Okay, yeah. Um, Dude, they were like going to town with the uh, social media advertising on that they like, were. earlier this year. So I want to start off by saying like, it's one of those movies where you're like, I can't tell you whether or not I recommend that. I, I think it was a good movie. I think it was a great movie. I'm glad I saw it. It's not one of those movies I think everybody should watch. I think you need to make that own dis- that determination for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's where I'm kind of like, I can't, like... <laughs> You're like, I can't the, give this a two-thumbs-up recommendation. Well, I can if you like that kind of... These kinds of movies. Yeah. Where, like, it's a it's a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie in the sense that it's gory. And, well, I mean, it's parts of it are, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, It's not Saw. It's not yeah. a Saw movie. This isn't like Blair Witch. It's not Witch. like It either. It's not like It. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's its own thing, and it makes you think so much after the fact. And, like, the, th- the piece that I loved about it, we watched the director's cut, is there's so much foreshadowing and symbolism and things that, like, you watch it and then you immediately want to watch it again hmm. to, to, like... And it's not like... And I'm not talking, like, Sixth Sense kind of things. I'm talking about just, like, overall from the start of the movie, just things that, like, fall into place and you're like, oh, man, yes. And that he's very, it's very... It's very intentionally disorienting mm-hmm. where, like, you know, if it cuts to black, it stays on black, like, just, like had too long or yeah. like you know like it, it'll like span up in the sky and like do this like weird spin thing and like have a crane thing like come around the car and you're like watching this car drive down the road upside down you know like hmm. stuff that are, you know it's just simple things yeah you're just turning the camera upside down right you know, for instance right but it makes it feel just like off and yeah. like just that like craft is like so interesting to me i dig it um from just a film perspective, like, uh, like well, I, I, I want to watch think, it like, with the commentary just to I, like understand all the things. I've also said like before, like with horror genre, like the horror genre feels like it is it is similar to like um, a lot of like electronic music, you know, and stuff like that. These yeah. numbers, like anything can happen. Yeah. Like it's like you can go for specific feelings, and it's like this doesn't exist yes. except for just to have a specific feeling. feeling. Like yes. and and like that's you know that it's just interesting and very freeing and yeah. you're like you can leave the theater thinking like what the heck was that right. and it's okay yeah. you know it's like any other any other movie like an action movie genre <laughs> it's like you leave the next Mission Impossible and go what the heck was that right. you don't it's want like that. you don't want that no. you want 
want to know what that was, yeah. you know? You leave you leave the next Bond movie and you're like, I want to know exactly what happened in exactly. there. But like a, a horror movie, you can leave and be, literally be like, I have no idea what just happened. Yeah. Like, I, what what did we just watch? Yes. And it's fine, you know? And be like, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I did. I loved it. Yeah. I legit loved it. And there's some just crazy stuff in there. Um, and But like at the end of the day, uh, it's just one of those things that like... Uh, I love, like, I love movies that make you think. Mm-hmm. I love movies that make you feel something that you don't normally feel, whether that's like joy or like you know whatever it is. I love. I like <laughs> such a sad, no, sad, I, sad I, prospect. I do. There. I feel that. I, but, I like, know. but like, so that's why I think this is appealing to me because like I'm generally I feel like yeah, I mean we're both yeah. you know generally happy people. Yeah. And so I don't normally f- uh, experience a sense of unease and dread in my normal day, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Whenever this movie makes me feel that, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. hey, they did a good job. Like, see, and, and that's like, I, I'm, I'm on board, like, with, with that side of like, so, so some like horror movies, like, I'm not a huge horror person because of like the anxiety behind, yeah, like, yeah. The, the horror. I didn't experience anxiety, and in so, this. but it's like, but yeah, like, there are certain things where you're like, oh man, they're like the, the dread or like the, the like you know, tense nature, like whatever, but yeah. like, you know, and that's what I'm saying. It's not Blair Witch where yeah. it's like, you got you like your jump scares and yeah. like, you know, like what is going on? Right. Or uh, even like paranormal activity where it's like, it's like, I'll, I'll like, I really love like the first paranormal activity. Yeah. But it's like, I can only take yeah. so much. There's like a certain level of just like, like, uh, of the like spiritual stuff that I'm just like, Holy crap. This yeah. is like heavy. And it's like whenever it's they a, have like that sub like rising and stuff. And you're just like, man. this is how I feel like, whenever I'm getting pulled over by a police officer. Like, I don't want to feel this in the theater. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Uh, but uh, and that movie I think is genius too. Like when she, yeah, like dude. spoilers for paranormal activity. Let's just but like when she gets pulled down the hallway. Oh, dude, terrifying. <sighs> terrifying. Man. Um, anyway, that yeah. might go on. Like I should put that. That's gonna be on the list. I'll oh, 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 oh. Not, I'm throwing things out there. Just spoiled it right here. <laughs> um, maybe no. I'll you. Ah, I figured it out. Okay. Midsummer will be on my list for, and it will be a 2019 thing. Ah, I dig it. I actually have a couple of those too. Okay, cool. Where I thought I considered them for the decade, and I'm like, ah. yeah. So that's the thing that I think has like uh, taken over my like um, just discussions yeah. recently among like, have you seen it? Okay, so now Chris, we need the to social talk about media it. campaigns were correct then. Correct. Ah. I know. I hate it when that happens. I know. It was... I hate it whenever the social media advertising is right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, but the thing is, I, I kind of wish I'd seen it in theaters because, like, I mean, we watched it on a on a pretty big, you know, screen. Yeah. But like, uh, no, I, horror movies are something I love to experience with lots of people, yeah, group. corporately, yeah. Um, because like there there was, I mean, there was a lot, there were funny lots of funny parts in this, and mm-hmm. I think like I've started this year like with it and with some other things like. Even The Shining, you watch The Shining, and there's some like really funny parts in The Shining. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think like really good scary movies are also funny at the same time. Yeah. That's why I feel like Saw just doesn't do it for me because it's not funny. It's not funny, and that, like you know, and that was see, but that that was introduced around the time, the same time as like things like Hostel or like, yeah. and it's just like, and that is like everyday circumstances and everyday people just go awry that just go completely sideways <laughs> yeah. and, and you can't escape. And so like, there is like this element of like just the setup for those were like completely yeah. horrible and horrifying. It's like, I don't, I, those are the types like, I don't really care for those. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, but totally. then like the ones that, yeah, like you're right. It's like, Oh, they build, you know, nice tension. They build, there's you know, narrative and there's character yeah. development and there's like, you know, there's an arc, you know? Yeah. So, and a lot of it comes down to like imagery. Like you can just do some cool things, uh, with imagery in 
um, horror movies that you wouldn't be able to do somewhere else because it doesn't make sense. True. But the reason it's there is because it doesn't make sense. Right, right. Um, the Ring comes to yeah. mind as well, you know, with some of that. Yes, you know, it's another, The Ring. Another good one. Um, so, Chris. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I went up to. I dig it. I think we have some Three hundred fifty episodes in, still doing the completely unnatural transition. That's true. Uh, all right, so the first piece of news item I want to yeah. run through these quickly because um, we have a lot to talk about about the decade. We do. Uh, it was a long decade. Th- uh, this past Monday, the Oscar nominees. This long. De- <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Why are you talking They're all the about? Same. <laughs> it's ten years. <laughs> um, the Oscar nominees were released. Cool. Uh, and so. We're going to run through them. Uh, the, the thing that intrigued... Well, I'll say this after. Uh, category. We're just going to start with Best Picture. Ford versus Ferrari. The Irishman. Jojo Rabbit. Joker. Little Women. Marriage Story. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know what that was. And Parasite. Uh, I, forgot to, I forgot to say, uh, I saw 1917. Dude, I want to see 1917. Dude, I'll go with you again. I need to see 1917. It is one of the... Most, uh, if it doesn't, like, if uh, two, one of two films are going to win this category, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Why can't I say that tonight? Um, 1917 blew my freaking mind. Yeah. So I sent you an article about it, right? Like a uh, while back, a long time ago, way back in the summer, like whenever, before it was even like coming out or whatever. I don't think I read it. Okay. Well, I sent you an article about how they like scripted it, how they shot it, and oh, how, totally, like, yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, so for the audience, it's, it's all one take. It's yep. shot to make it look like one take in AK, uh, in the same vein as like Birdman. But Birdman, I, when I watch it, I feel like I can see most of the cuts. Yep. This most of the, for most of the movie, I don't know where in the world they cut. Yeah. And like some of the times they didn't. Like there were like twenty minute long shots in this. Right. And so there was a uh, they were. Writers were talking about it, and they were saying that like they had to time the dialogue. Yep. Be like, okay, this person has to cover. We have to cover. We know where the beginning of this is and the end of this is, so they have to cover that much mileage, uh, like regardless throughout the course of this movie. And so they would have to time the dialogue to be okay. So we need to go this distance, and so we need them to say enough dialogue to fill that distance at this pace. And so they would walk it out, and like then they would rewrite it. They would walk it out. They would rewrite it, and then like until they got to the timing of every single chunk of that movie, yeah. right? Even, they would do that. Even I was yeah, and I was they would like block it so out. Where, oh, they have to walk around the car it's, and it's, stuff. It's one of those movies that like you you watch and you immediately like okay, how do they do it? this mm-hmm. even before that part because that's like during the once they had this is a world war one movie so there's trenches they're not spoiling things so like for instance in the trenches yeah even before that they before they built the trenches in this field they would uh start in the field and read the dialogue and mm-hmm. time how long they were like okay well mm-hmm. that's got to be how long the trench is and they would dig, dig the trench and then you know like that's whenever they you know like dude, that's so wild i know dude it's and so like crazy. So, and so the the anecdote was whenever uh whenever uh one of the actors like walked like was like oh we have to walk from there to there and say this line and then they did it and at the end of it, it was like man that timed out like perfectly and then some, <laughs> i was like yes it did <laughs> you know it's like oh yeah. okay <laughs> uh yeah so i mean it's it's a it is a feat in movie making it and like Maybe once you see it, we can review it or something like that. Because there are parts yeah. in there that I'm like, I just want to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it is crazy the way that they were able to pull it off. Um, 
Roger Deakins did the cinematography. She's so and it's like, gorgeous. And like honestly, if he uh, so uh, let's move on to well, I think another thing I wanted to say about this category. Mm-hmm. This is actually I think the most um, commercial uh, best yeah. picture list that I've seen in a long time. A long time. Like all of these were like Big. they were box office like successes, and they were popular. Ford versus Ferrari, uh, Joker, Little Women, even Parasite, Seventeen. Once upon a time in Hollywood, Parasite wasn't uh, wasn't huge. like huge popular. I would, popular. I would say the ones that aren't uh, super commercial are, are Parasite and um, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Then this also is notable because it has two Netflix movies on it. Yeah, The Irishman and Marriage Story. Um, interesting uh, side note. So I'm going to the AMC Best Picture Marathon again, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they. They and Regal in their best picture thing refuse to show the Netflix movies because, um, in in their opinion, well, first of all, so Netflix uh, releases like the Irishman on enough screens to get it in, nominated so yep. it can be said it was in the movie theaters, but then like literally like seven days later they release it on Netflix where like Regal and AMC want them to give them a 30-day exclusivity window and then right. it can release on Netflix. Right. And so in pro t- to protest that, they both, Regal and AMC, uh, refuse to show Netflix movies in their Best Picture marathons. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's, it, I mean, it bugs me because I'm like, man, I'd, I'd love to see this movie on a big screen. Yep. Like, and it's a movie. And you would pay to do it. Like there were there were some like you know some things last year about like because uh, Roma was a Netflix movie that got nominated for best picture, and I remember like even Steven Spielberg who's the he's the he's the head of the director's arm arm of the um, the Academy he had made some comments where he said like TV movies shouldn't be able to be nominated hmm. and he had to walk those back <laughs> because there was an outcry after that he walked those back. But like I think that feeling in Hollywood is just kind of there on a level, mm-hmm. and the, and where I think I would draw the line is like, but these aren't. I know people primarily watch them on TV, but they aren't TV movie. TV movies have commercials. It largely they have really tiny budgets, usually D list actors, and the fact that it's a TV movie usually equates to a lack of quality. Whereas that is not present in any of these. Here's the deal at man. all. My thing is like, yeah, you're right. Martin like, Scorsese did the Irishman. It's a movie. It is. And it's like, okay, well it was released. <laughs> it's a movie. It was released in movie theaters. And it's, they, you did, know? they shot it in Hollywood. They shot it in Hollywood. And so like my thing with, with the whole like TV movie thing, like it sh- who, that shouldn't matter. Like if, if a, if a movie came out on TV and it was the level of quality that would get it, uh, sure. Like nominated for an Oscar, yeah. it should be nominated for that Oscar because it's a movie. Yeah, you know, it's like, come on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and this this all goes back down to the whole like, you know, even this year the discussion of like, is it cinema? You know, and you're like, and you're like, it's clearly cinema. It's yeah. it's in a movie theater and it's a movie. You know, it's yeah, it's a thing. So, so anyway, yeah. like. Interesting. Uh, I think we'll, we'll do. A, we'll, we'll maybe do a, a prediction show later as we get closer. After I see some more of these movies, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll move on. Uh, actor in a leading role: Antonio Banderas for *Pain and Glory*, Leonardo DiCaprio for *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*, Adam Driver for *Marriage Story*, Joaquin Phoenix for *Joker*, Jonathan Price for *The Two Popes*. Actress in a leading role: Cynthia Irvio for *Harriet*, Scarlett Johansson for *Marriage Story*, Sayur Ronan for *Little Women*. 
Charlie's Theron for Bombshell, Renee's, uh, Renee Selwiger for Judy. Uh, side note, I haven't seen The Little Woman yet. I'm really excited to. I loved that book back in the day. Um, actor Dude, I was trying to like remember almost anything about Little Women. Oh, really? Just because like oh, I read man. it so long ago, yeah. and then we watched like the old, old, old movie like yeah. so long ago, and it's like I, I, I think I know what some things about. <laughs> like it's like I can't say whether or not I liked it or not because like I just don't remember it that yeah. well. So, uh, actor in a supporting role, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Did you ever see that one? No. Oh man, you'd love it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, Brad Pitt, Once Upon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The, <laughs> Every time we're going to say that, you're going you're gonna to mess yeah, it up. You I know. know. <laughs> Actress in a supporting role, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, which I still, wanna, I still need to see that too. Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, Margot Robbie for, for Bombshell. Bombshell? <laughs> uh, animated feature film. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. How many How to Train Your Dragons are they going to be? I mean, this is the last one, I think. Okay. I, th- I think. I thought like, the last one was the last dude, one. They can, make, they can make as many of these as they want to, and as long as they continue to, to do it, <laughs> you know, and to make money. Uh, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, Toy Story 4. Did you ever see Klaus? Klaus I've heard it's great. Netflix. I haven't it, seen it. Dude, I mean, it is Netflix. It is gorgeous. And no one's, no one's, well. uh, no one's uh, up, all up in arms about that. Dude, it's, Hollywood has a big problem with like animated movies in general. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, cinematography, The Irishman. Oh, sorry. It's uh, um, Rodrigo Prito for The Irishman. Yeah. Lawrence Cher for Joker. Um, Jaron Blask for The Lighthouse. That one's like interesting to me because like I I saw that I talked about it. It's all four by three in black and white. Yeah, and they used all these old lenses. That's Ooh. I don't know. That's pretty also, interesting. Roger Deakins for 1917. So dude, this is some pretty stiff competition. Uh, Roger Deakins, man, and uh, Robert Richardson for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like there's that's like super competitive category in my mind. Um, costume design: The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Directing, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Um, that one's stiff, too. Like, I mean, yeah. it's going to be tough. Uh, documentary feature. And this is the other thing. Uh, I think it was, didn't The Square from Netflix win documentary feature, best documentary feature a few sure, years ago? Pretty sure it did. And again, like, and it's, no one's all no like, one crazy is up in arms about that one. Anyway. Yeah, again, like, I feel, I feel like we're being, like, Hollywood is being very, like, the best picture, it should not be on Netflix, yeah. you know, or whatever. American Factory. Maybe just know how much money's on the table. Well, like, like what the, are they going to do? Like, there's two nominations this year. There's one last year. Yeah. What are they going to do when half of the nominations are from Netflix? Well, dude, I mean, and it's like the level of quality that is coming out of like uh, out of like Netflix, and it's like it's if it continues to be this great, yeah, you know, it's like well, you're going to start seeing that across the board with like Disney Plus or, or with Amazon. like uh, Man- all um, of it. Oh, what was it? Uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea was uh, uh, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah. Uh, movie yeah anyway. it's just it, yeah it's 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 super it's super strange like that people like choose to get up in arms about certain ones and not others or like whatever too yeah. so yeah uh Amer- well, but yeah it, i clicked on something again, american factory oh sorry again like klaus awesome like you should watch all of the ones that you can watch on your like yeah. on your netflix why not, why not? It's like you don't have to like, go. To, you don't have to go pay to go the, see an AMC. Like, some whatever. of the best of the best. Yeah, and it's like I've seen you see the same names like all the way down this thing. It's like you know you got the Irishman all yeah, over these things. All so, over the place. Yeah, American Factory. Oh, these are the documentary feature. American Factory, The mm-hmm. Cave, The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, Honeyland. I need to watch some of those. I haven't seen any of them. Documentary short subject in the absence. Learning 
to skateboard in a war zone. Life overtakes me. St. Louis Superman walk run cha cha. That one's so the sh- documentary shorts are always the ones I don't know. I gotta get my hands on half yeah. the time. Well, a lot of times like it's film festivals and stuff like yeah. that, and it's like it's hard to yeah hard to get them. Uh, makes me wish I was a part of the Academy and they would just send them all to me. Yeah, just, just send me the movies. Well, now it's a uh, it's like a Apple TV app. You just oh, log yeah? in and they're all just like right there. Wow. So there's like a permissions type of a uh-huh. thing, you know? Cool. Film editing, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite. International film feature, or feature film, Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Le, Les, Les Miserables Balls. I don't know how you pronounce that. Les Miserables. Yeah, sure. There you go. Uh, Pain and Glory, Parasite. Makeup and hairstyling, Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, 1917, Music Original Score, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I hope that gets it. I hope that gets it, too. It's his last Star Wars movie. And it's really good soundtrack. And it's really good. Like, it's really good. Um, th- I haven't seen uh, Little Women or Marriage Story, but 1917's soundtrack's great as well. I downloaded that the minute I left the, uh, the theater. Who did it? Uh, Thomas Newman. Cool. Yeah, I like him. Um, doesn't doesn't surprise me. I guess like you know. Yeah, Little Women's is probably gonna be great too. Alexander Desplat did that. Hmm. Um, Love it. Randy Newman did Marriage Story, so that'll, nice. be, that'll be interesting. Hey, that's awesome. I like yeah. Randy Newman. Music original song. Uh, I why did they cut all these names off? Uh, I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story two four. Sorry. Yeah, it's good. Um, one. I'm going to. I'm gonna. Love me again from Rocket Man. That's Elton John. Sorry, I have to click on each one of these. Really? It. Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird. I'm staying with you from Breakthrough. Into the Unknown from Frozen Two. Such a good song. Just here to tell you that. Uh, stand up from Harriet. <laughs> Production design: The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917. I don't know how that doesn't win. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Uh, short film: uh, Desira, Daughter, Hair, Love. Kitbull, memorable sister. Short film, live action, Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, The Neighbor's Window, Soraya, a sister. Sound editing, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Sound mixing, Ad Astra, Dude. which was great. <sighs> I, I want to watch that again. Such a good one. Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, once upon a time in Hollywood. We reviewed Ad Astra as well. So yeah. if you if you don't know what Ad Astra is or whatever, go watch that. Like at least in the first half of that review and see if you want to go like watch that movie. I almost bought it and downloaded it the other day. I bought it digitally, um, but because uh, I don't have an Apple TV, I just, mm-hmm. I just need to break down and get an Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. Because that's really the only platform right now that has that consistently has Sales. commentaries. Oh, commentaries. Ooh. Like if I whenever I buy things on um, on xbox a lot of times like there is a version with hmm. commentary but you have to buy it separately from the from the movie weird like itunes is just the it's same thing it's just included yeah yeah interesting yeah uh visual effects avengers endgame the irishman the lion king 1917 star wars rise of skywalker notably absent is cats so i'm making a joke uh, yeah, of course the uh <laughs> the fascinating thing to me about uh, let's get to the end. Yeah. Let's, we'll get, let's get to the Writing, end. Writing, adaptive screenplay, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Woman, The Two Popes. Okay. 
writing original screenplay, Knives Out, which I saw. I forgot to tell you that. See, I've seen all these things. I've seen a lot Dude, of stuff. That's John. awesome. I mean, I've Dude, seen a few things too. You need to go see Knives Out. I, I want to see Knives Out. It Knives is so Out is good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, still don't like Ryan Johnson and what he did with the Last Jedi, but Knives Out is yeah. freaking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Mirror and there's, they're already like working on Knives Out too, as well. Like they're already kind of like in the. Uh, I could totally see that. In for that. Uh, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I think Hollywood's going to get it once upon a time. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the, that's the that's that list. So, uh, f- first of all, saw Frozen Two. I'm surprised that Frozen Two is not nominated for animated. Uh, like that was the biggest thing there, the, the biggest omission there. That I was like, holy cow, how is that not in there? I don't know. It is gorgeous. It is a sequel, but also the uh, How to Train Your Dragon is a sequel in there as well. So, like, right. what what are we doing here? Um, yeah, it's it's honestly like uh, Frozen Two is one of the most successful sequels that I've seen in a long time. All right. So like where it's cool. like, this is like, it expands the universe. It feels exactly natural in there. It all yeah. fits. It doesn't like, they don't like make a certain character, like more ham fisted and funny or like whatever. They don't, they don't overdo it. Yeah. They don't take the success and go, well, we're just going to make you like, the, uh, you know, that I'm out of that. Let's just shove it down your throat for yeah. the next hour and a half. I think like, I don't, so think, yeah, it's really good to me. I don't think the omission of frozen two is, is surprising. I think, What's surprising is the inclusion of the How to Train Your Dragon Agreed. sequel. Agreed. That's the that's why I reacted weird to it. Yeah, and then the other thing is, um, unless this, I didn't see it. I'll just say that maybe it's freaking awesome. I mean, I supposedly it's really good. I've just, ne- I just, I've never. It's it's rare that you see mm-hmm. a sequel in best yeah. animated movie. Agreed. I mean, usually like there's enough like things that have come out throughout the year to not even worry about it. Yeah. Um, another thing that is that Disney didn't even submit for that is The Lion King. Um, hmm. they consider that live, live action, action, despite the fact that it's like, there are maybe two <laughs> frames of an actual, actual place Lion, yeah. and an actual anything in there. You know, it's like, um, this is all animated yeah. and it's like, it, it kind of bums me out a little bit. Cause it's like, well, you mean that these animators yeah, worked right. on that movie totally. and you don't consider them, them an animated and what, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. how do you like literally the entire credits of that thing is just animators and it's like, and it was how, a beautiful, movie. how is this not in there for animated feature? I hadn't even thought about that. That's a, uh, that's kind of a bummer, but yeah, Disney didn't even submit it for that. Like they were just like, nah, it's live action. Weird. Weird, dude. <laughs> strange <laughs> it's like you're you did not get a lion to you know to to do all of this stuff yeah you know that so is someone animating so something I made, I made that um that joke about cats because um i don't know if you heard about this i i wanted to go see it it's getting terrible reviews i wanted to go see it just to see the train wreck that it is i mean like okay so first of all yeah i, I don't really like the musical like it's i'm just not a fan yeah. of that specific musical right. it's like i you know well it, Okay, I feel, feel like I feel like he's got better better musicals. You yeah. know, we can you know it's a Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. You know, anyway, but yeah, it's like. Uh, so, but I I really kind of wanted to go see it because I like the idea. Like I like the idea of having uh, musicals as movies. Like that's a cool yeah, cool thing. I like that, it too. You know. Uh, so the um, did you know they had to release? They released another version. I did. Version. I did hear that that they because, like patched it. Well, yeah, they because they released it and the like the graph. So what I also like read was like. A lot of like animators from Lion King mm-hmm. when they were done with Lion King, um, they, over to that. they hired them to f- come fix cats oh, because 
like things like and, and this is how this happened like uh, apparently in the first version like Judy Dench's like hand she's just wearing a coat yeah and her hands out like she just has just, like, like a human, human hand, hand with a sleeve <laughs> yeah yeah Cats I don't saw have that sleeves. I saw the side by side where it's like it's like literally it's like she's just got a, like a, a human hand and there's this whole this list cat. of things that they that they basically launched quote unquote with yeah like it's just like what how in the world there wasn't even happen? a day one patch man also why not just push the movie no yeah. one was like clamoring for this to come out yeah it got murdered by star wars anyway uh, that's true i don't know man that's just like whole thing baffles me like what happened how how did this happen anyway that's, <laughs> that's so funny that's why i, I just wanted to yeah. like go see it just be like i need to see this see i wish i would have seen it like pre-patch and yeah, then, no, me and too. then you know what, you know what i would have done i would have had to go see it post-patch as well i be hope, like did i notice <laughs> i hope it uh i hope it comes out and they offer both versions <laughs> yeah dude it's like special special, special features edition. you know special features is like original copy version <laughs> yeah original version um all right well, so it's like, well think about this chris yeah. it's essentially like they they pulled a george lucas on it yep. but literally like a few weeks apart rather than a decade you right, know it's right like <laughs> yeah although george lucas didn't leave you know jabba's sleeve <laughs> with a human hand <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't see the you couldn't see the 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 strings for Yoda, you know, like for the yes, puppets. But Chris McClunky, McClunky, <laughs> McClunky. All right, and even weirder news: Ooh. Sony's skipping E3 again. What in the world is this, Chris? Uh, they've announced they've uh, released a statement after thorough evaluation. So SIE has decided not to participate. In E3 2020, we have great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. We will build upon our global events strategy in 2020 by participating in hundreds of consumer events around the globe. Our focus is on making sure fans feel part of the PlayStation family and have access to play their favorite content. What? We have a fantastic lineup of titles coming to PlayStation 4. And with the upcoming launch of PlayStation 5, we are truly looking forward to a year of celebration with our fans. That's the end of their quote. What? Just not at E3 2020. I don't get it, man. I don't get it either, dude. Uh, The E3 um, released a statement at some point just to... Here we go. Uh, Because, uh, I mean, that's huge. Like, we're talking about the launch of of a a console launch here. And Sony's like, nope, we're out still. Which is wild. Like, we for sure thought they were coming back this year. Dude, like, I would have put money on it. And I would have lost that money. E3, uh, the ESA announced, uh, released a statement. E3 is a signature event celebrating the video game industry and showcasing the people, brands, and innovations redefining entertainment loved by billions of people around the world. E3 2020 will be an exciting high-energy show featuring new experiences, partners, exhibitor spaces, marketing plan activations, and programming that will entertain new and veteran attendees alike. I think they call activations like the like different. It's like, oh, go try that VR experience about Halo. It's like that's an activation. I think is what I they've the, referred to. I it thought in the, the past. activations uh, were like launching, uh, launching their marketing plans for their games for various games. Yeah, it might be true too. Uh, exhibit. It's just so weird. Like why talk like this? Like yeah. Anyway. Um, and Sony's like, yeah, you read, yeah, read that statement. Read that? That's mm. why we're not going. Exhibitor interest in our new activations is gaining the attention of brands that view E3 as a key opportunity to connect with the video game fans worldwide. Wow. So what I hear from the ESA statement is stakeholders and stockholders, do not be afraid. Yeah. We've still got stuff. Right. And dude. Sony's sitting here like, well, nah. And the, I just don't understand it, dude. I don't it's know, a like, weird one. I don't get it. Like, I feel like it's, it's, it's for sure, in my view, a a 
miss on Sony's part. Like Sony needs to be there to tell people to tell like where the most eyes are on the gaming industry. I feel like they need to be there to tell their like narrative about PS five. Like they, they need totally. to be a part of it and program around it. Last year they had a, the, the state of play, the first like digital Nintendo direct style thing a week before. And then they also talked about death stranding. Like they had like something there, like the death stranding just like released info. So like Sony was, was part of the conversation like a week before E3, but then E3 happened. And it was like, n- nobody cared Nothing. about it. Yeah. Nobody and like, cared about PlayStation. Then. And honestly, like, you know, Sony's conference was always kind of like the, it kind of stole the show. Cause it was always yeah. the last one. Yeah. And they, you know, like they would walk away from it and, and, uh, and people would be talking about, PlayStation the rest of the the week. They've basically ceded that whole conversation, that whole week to Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft are third parties. And maybe they do their own event beforehand. Like I don't see them doing a direct style thing like that again. Not no. talking about their new console, not making the announcements that, th- that we know they need to make. Yeah. Uh, for what's even coming this fall that we're going to play on the new console. Yeah, because we've got to have the console reveal. Like, what does it look like? We've got to have the pricing information. We've got to have the release date. Yeah. We've got to have the launch lineup. Like, these are all things that have to happen. And w- if they don't happen, if at least, like, portions of them don't happen at E3, where are they going to happen? Because, like, a lot of times, like, what would happen, like, last generation. Yeah. Was they had, like, okay, here's what the box looks like. Here's the power of it. Here's the stuff. And then they leave, like, p- the pricing and some of the release lineup for, like, E3. Three. I honestly don't think you can wait till after. No, I think that's that's a that's a a, a bad move. So you have to go before. Mm-hmm. Two two things happen if you go before. One, uh, whenever E three hits, your your momentum's gone. Like mm-hmm. you you've now like the story is taken back over mm-hmm. by Microsoft and everything else going on. Yeah. They've already jumped the gun with you and like released like the announced the box and shown it and all that kind of stuff. Not yeah. physically, but we saw like basically renderings of pictures. That's what it's gonna yeah. look like. And there's we, a couple of wired articles that they actually yeah. like had Matt Cerny sit down with uh, Mark Cerny. Is it Mark Cerny? Mark yeah. Cerny. Yeah. Sit down with with Wired and like and talk to them about the internals of it and stuff like that too. So it's like they've already kind of halfway revealed it, I guess. Right. So now they get to spend all of E three talking about games and not the box. Which is great. Yeah. It's Microsoft, amazing. I mean. Whereas Sony needs to like they have to talk about both in I guess one press conference. One press conference? You figure it's and my else the other thing is like Sony benefited last generation whenever they announced the PlayStation Four. They benefited from going second um, at E3 specifically yeah. and, and even second from their reveal because they benefited because like Microsoft had already released their $500 price point for the Xbox One uh, console with the Kinect and then Sony was able to come out and be like hey guess what ours is $100 cheaper um, and so like whether or not that was in flux of like up until like the, the, the moment they revealed it or if it was already set and then they just like breathed a sigh of relief whenever Xbox came in at 500 yeah. it's like it doesn't necessarily matter because all anybody who talked about after that was like PlayStation is a hundred dollars cheaper. And so like by going first, it would leave the opportunity at E three for someone else to be like for Xbox to be like, listen, we're going to find a way to make this thing the same price or cheaper than well, because we know that that's what PlayStation we, uh, after the fact, we know that, uh, there were stories that the PlayStation four was going to be $500. They changed it day of because of Microsoft's announcement. Like, we need to undercut them. Yeah. And uh, that paid off. Yeah. Big time. The 
the crazy the crazy thing to me, well, so like the other thing to me that we could be missing is technically they could still have an, a press conference the week of E3 and mm. not be at E3. True, true. Like, they didn't to, say anything about like, because last year they were very clear and they said we're not programming anything around E3. Yeah. This year they're saying we're not at E3, which uh-huh. technically means if you want to like get into semantics, they're not on the show floor. Right. They don't have a booth. They don't have all these things. Yep. Which, if you want to get like specific about it, uh, EA is technically not at E3. Nope. They're not in the, yeah. the conference center. They do their own EA Play thing across right. the street. Well, Xbox actually has like most of their PlayStations at a different location, and then they have their uh, yeah, their the mixer Xboxes, station yeah. in the actual like. So they're both places basically. Right. right. And outside so, of it like, and inside. Maybe they're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe well they'll they'll end up like. Because I just feel like if you're going to – I don't know what you gain by having a separate press conference some other time. Agreed. You have the eyes of the entertainment industry and the press on you. Yeah. Because E3 gets the attention of outlets besides just IGN. That's right. You have – like I've seen stories on like CNN and Fox News and like – mainstream outlets that would never cover this stuff otherwise. Yeah, like New York Times and stuff will be like, Sony yes. had a great showing this year at E3, right. you know? Forbes, like, what's well, Forbes has like Destiny content, so I don't know what their strategy is anymore anyway. Uh, at the, It's weird. At the end of the day... I actually like a lot of their like game reviews. Oh, I do too. So I'm, Paul, always like, I'm Paul, always like, yeah, Paul Tassi is awesome. He does yeah. all the Destiny stuff. It's good. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm no, just no, saying no, it's, it's weird just, for it's a, a business magazine <laughs> yeah. to... To be talking be, about destiny to basically have like gaming tips content, and tricks. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I look up half my Fortnite like how to videos on Forbes. It's, it's true. weird. It's true. Weird. Anyway, uh, everyone's gonna forget about IGN. We're just gonna talk about Forbes in the future. <laughs> um, sorry, I keep go, <laughs> just go there for your, your stock tips and your and destiny y- content. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just think that like just ignoring that week altogether yeah. it's is. A mistake is a mistake 100 percent. yeah i agree it, it, you're not going to have the same kind of momentum or people to pay attention any other time and i guess like what it shows to me like as someone from the outside looking in is i'm like are they not confident are they not confident in Either what they're too confident in what they've got sh- to show yeah maybe maybe that um because like to me it's like you don't show up at like the 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 com- competition event Unless you know that, hey, I, I, we've got stuff to show. Yeah. And every year, you know, that they did show up, so, you know, 2017 or whatever, like, inevitably, people would sit there and be like, yeah, you know what? Sony just blew everybody else out of the water. Yeah. And I, me too. It's like, at the end of the day, I was like, oh my gosh, like, God of War looks amazing, like, the couple of years they showed that. Yeah. And it's like, that that just, like, was my na- number one thing or whatever. And so, it's like, if they're not confident in what they've got moving into the next year, uh, maybe they don't show up, and or, or like, like, they like you said, maybe they're overconfident. They I haven't had PSX in a few years, and I like you know. So we would talk about it every single year. Mm-hmm. We would go to the PlayStation ex- fan experience and just at a theater in sure. town, yeah. and watch this thing. Like, and what they did that didn't do. Like, I'm not saying that that was like integral to why I bought PlayStation games or play yeah. like the PlayStation, but it definitely created a sense of community with people. And the, yes, they're strangers, but it gave us a shared activity to do. Where like, sure. hey, PlayStation cares about the community, yeah, in a more like tangible way than Microsoft because I can actually touch the stuff that they're giving me. Yeah, I can sit here in this theater and and they handed like, me a lanyard on my way in. You yeah, know? like like they're they're giving us a VIP experience mm-hmm. in our hometown. Yeah, uh, Microsoft doesn't do that. No, and maybe they will do that for the for N. 
a uh, a reveal. I don't know. Maybe honestly, I I kind of think like that we'll get down to where because no one's scheduled their press conferences yet. Like I I almost halfway expect we'll get to that point and we will find out. Hey, they're doing a press conference. Right. They're just not on the floor. So this all may be moot. Right. But. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It's just an interesting move. Like, it's an interesting move that they're basically, like, holding to the same hard line that they laid down on the ground last year and saying, you know what? E3 is not the experience that we want to be at for fans, and we're not going to do it. And it's like, okay, fine. Then then what's your, like, what's your other option is, I guess, the thing. Because it's like, it doesn't just affect the people who are there at the actual event. It affects the people, like, if you don't program around it, it affects your fans who are expecting to hear something from you at the biggest week for video gaming. Right. And that's why I don't think you can wait till after. Just you have to bummer. go before, yeah. and then you know you still lose momentum there. We'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. It was supposed to come out what May? March. March. Yeah. Next month or two months from now? Two months from now. It's been pushed to September. <laughs> uh, we have important <laughs> news regarding Cyberpunk 2077's release date. We'd like to share with you today. Cyberpunk 2077 won't make the April. Oh, April. April. Ah, there both of us are wrong. Both of us are wrong. Right in between. April <laughs> release window and removing the launch. To September 17th, 2020. Cool. We are currently at a stage where the game is complete and playable, but there's still work to be done. Night City is massive, full of stories, content, and places to visit. But due to the sheer scale and complexity of it all, we need more time to finish playtesting, fixing, and polishing. We want Cyberpunk 2077 to be our crowning achievement for this generation, and postponing launch will give us the precious months we need to make the game perfect. Expect more regular updates on progress as we get closer to the new release date. We're really looking forward to seeing you in Night City. Thank you for your ongoing support. Cool. I mean, I'm glad that they're... Yeah, glad that you're lane. Sounds like a, you know, a Red Dead situation. It does. And it's like, it'll only serve to make the game better. The other thing about this, like, that I thought was weird is like, okay, so we're talking September 20th. It's late September. Most likely, a month later, the new consoles will come out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people will probably be looking for something to play, something that people have maybe been talking about for the last month. Yeah. So it's like, it's a good time to maybe pick up the, the thing, because by all reports, both consoles will be backwards compatible. Um, the only one that was really in question was PlayStation 5. But I think that they've, they've kind of confirmed that that's going to be backwards compatible. And so, why not play uh, play what you know people were the crowning achievement of this generation on your brand new, powerful, amazing box? So, yeah, um, I don't think that'll really limit the sales. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, the last piece of news is sad news. So, Christopher Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien's son, has passed away. He was ninety five. Um, he served as an editor. For his father, for Lord of the Rings and those books, and after J.R. passed away, he spent the rest of his life, dedicated his life to uh, curating his father's manuscripts and like piecing. I mean, things like the Silmarillion were just scraps and pieces of stories on pieces of paper. You know, he would take um, he would talk about his process a lot, and he would you know find, hey, here's three different places, three different like pieces of paper where. J.R.R. would write the same uh, same story, but it would be like maybe slightly different, or uh, it would one would be more fleshed out, and one would be more of an overview. And like he would take them all and combine them and edit them into the story. So like all of the Book of Lost Tales, um, Part One and Part Two, History of Middle Earth, like all of the things, the Silmarillion. Uh, more recently, um, one of the the books I was actually like wanting to put on the decade list, but it just fell right outside of it was the children of Huron. Mm. And like he ended his, his, uh, his book, uh, curation 
um, in 2018 with The Fall of Gondolin. Um, and that was like the third great. So he said like J.R. basically had three, what he called three great stories that served as kind of the basis of um, Middle Earth. Hmm. One was The Children of Huron. The other one was, um, oh man, it was like, I can look it up. It's like Bjorn and Eowyn or something like that. And then The Fall of Gondolin. Um, and uh, whenever the second one came out, he thought that that, like in the forward to it, he thought that that would be the the last one he ever did um, and that we wouldn't get the third one. But then mm. he ended up the, doing The Fall of Gondolin and doing the third one and that was his last, for sure the last book, he said. Um, I don't know that, you know, I mean, he's, you know, at that time he was, he would have been 93. So I don't know, I mean, he, you know, like, you definitely, like, at that point, you're past the the age where you're like, you know, or I expect someone to not to be like, hey, I'm done, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, And yeah. so, like, I... Uh, Sitting there with a word, I also word wonder, processor, like, you I know? wonder if that was, like, I wonder if, is that the end of kind of J.R.R.'s manuscripts? Like, yeah, I and don't he, know. And that's the thing, like, it's... It, 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 whenever J.R.R. Tolkien, like, whenever he... he passed away like it's like it's it, it was hard but then you have all these other things that like kind of come out after the fact and it like makes it makes it like oh the stories of this world continue baron you know? and luthien this it all one. it all continues on you know it, yeah. it it and so it's like if you wanted to dig deeper if you wanted to find out like more of the history more of the thing it's like it'll it'll continuously come out yeah. um and they were all like they they were all additive they weren't necessarily like that none of them so these days we talk about with like sequels or with like even like some of uh you know the uh oh man some of this retroactively makes me think differently and think you know more negatively about some of the things that came you know before or whatever it never did any of that like it was always just purely like would enhance yep it was never revisionist yeah and nothing ever ruined quote unquote yeah middle earth or yep. any of those stories like it was yeah. always really you know like just enhancements. Well, and that's where I think like we'll never know the level of um, impact that Christopher Tolkien actually had on these worlds because he edited them. I mean, he he literally chose what to include and what to leave out. Um, and uh, I think he had a lot to work from. Like I like there's there's entire there's a giant book um, uh, I saw the other day that has it's like different versions of Mid middle earth maps that J.R. had drawn. Hmm. And it's like, some of them are just lines on a piece of paper. And yeah. I'm like, I can't believe number one, that, that anyone saved that and, and didn't see it for just a, a mm -hmm. scribble on a piece of paper. Oh dude, for real. And that, um, he went through it and like, the only way to know that that's what that was, was it showed like another map that actually had that same line on it with things around it and names. So that means he had to go through, all the all the stuff, yeah, and, everything, and say like I've seen that before, and like pair it up. It that's incredible, yeah. John. That's crazy. Well, and then the sheer level because we're talking like this is over the course of like years, and so we're not talking about scans. We're not talking about no. like digital things. It's, these are physical things. Yeah, and it's like oh my goodness, that is intense. Like the fact that like an organizational like oh that's over in that closet or that's yeah. in this corner or that's on that bookshelf or whatever like it's like the the level of of attention to detail that that would take is yeah kind of mind-blowing um i saw someone like post on twitter and i was like that's i that's a fitting way to, like said like right now it's 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 kind of cool to think about right now uh jr and christopher tolkien are sitting in heaven 
possibly talking about Middle Earth and the things that, you know, like at the time, whenever he, J.R. passed away, Christopher Tolkien didn't even, hadn't discovered and didn't know about yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, dedicated his life to like uncovering that and curating that. It's just kind of cool. Yeah. But 100%. Um, awesome guy. I'm super thankful for him. Yeah. Um, his work on uh, all of that universe. Yeah. Will be appreciated for generations. A decade. A decade. A decade, man. It's a long time. Ten years. We haven't even been doing this ten years. We have not. Years. Seven years, man. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna reach back. So this is like uh, this is like our our favorites of the decade. That's right. And so, our like, personal favorites. So they're no, not like 100%. unified. You yes. know, it's not like and, we, we got together, and voted, have, and, and and punched each other until we came to different ones. Like I, I think like uh, I added some, and I think you added some more. That's so right. Like I tried to like maybe look some, but there's some I just don't have. I don't have a. Uh, Categories four. Agreed. And, and we'll uh, we can we can talk through those. Agreed. Um, First of all, you're yeah. listening right now mm. to uh, one of our uh, songs of the decade, mm. and I believe that it is yours. Oh, Despacito. Yes. 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 By uh, so Despacito. Yeah. It was originally like just this is the remix version was just yeah. with Justin Bieber. This is the one that caught the world by storm. That's right. And uh, took it over. Uh, this is. Um, I remember whenever that happened, man. Yeah, I know. It was super cool. It was everywhere. And it was awesome. Uh, Louis Fonzi and Yankee Daddy, featuring Justin Bieber, came out April seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. Nice. So in the yeah. later half of the decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've got da- we've got dates for all this stuff. So yeah, we're yeah. gonna you know tell you dates. So so, so it gives that context. Yeah. And proves that we like actually made sure that it was within the decade because there's a couple of them that like came on the verge for me. I know. You know? I, I know. Well, and there was some I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad that was in this decade. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So one of those, uh, can we do much want to dive in? Yeah, let's dive in. Okay. So we're just going to, we'll, we'll go through and we'll just trade off and go back and forth. I dig um, it. This is the game of the decade. My yeah. game of the decade, John, yeah. is Limbo. Came out July 21st, 2010 dude so like literally six months like yes. seven months into the into the decade yeah already like your favorite game it's all been downhill since then it, well, <laughs> <laughs> well no, when you put it like that i don't know if i'd go that far but uh that is the game that i have played the most this decade nice. I, I i've lost count how many times i've played it at this yeah. point i used to keep track yeah uh, and i should have written it down somewhere i was just keeping track in my head yeah how many times and i would just like count like okay that time that time that time that time um, but memory being what it is, like, exactly. you know, uh, and so, well, I mean, it's just like, once you repeat something enough times, you're like, I don't even know now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I have, that's the game I've replayed the most. It's awesome. Um, I love it. It's simple. It's, uh, has a, like a kind of a scary mood sometimes. Um, but, and, and the puzzles while difficult aren't, uh, you, you can still overcome them. Right. Um, they aren't insurmountable. Right. And uh, I, I like, I've talked about the ending before. It has one of my favorite endings in games um, and makes you think about the world that you're in. I dig it. I dig it. My game yeah. of the decade, Chris. It's actually one that came out two years ago. It is Celeste. Mm, Surprising so almost absolutely no one. <laughs> Celeste, you know, no I have one. like multiple shirts, like so oh, much merchandise. So, okay. Like I, it's, it's clearly like, 
honestly at this point it's probably my favorite game of all time like it's it's kind of one of those that like sits on top of that list and uh and goes there i was actually surprised as i was like like thinking back and have have revisited my favorite games of all time list how many more recent games have actually cracked that like top 10 list of like my 10 favorite games of all time yeah i mean and uh it, it, it takes a lot and it takes a lot and it's like it's it's like well games are like getting better and better it seems like if if you kind of take that kind of anecdotal <laughs> evidence there uh to cart but celeste such a great game it's a uh, it's a platformer it is a uh, pixel art uh game but it has so much heart and so much like tight gameplay like mm. it is so perfectly teaches you to do certain things throughout yeah. it's like there are only a couple of like little moments that, that might spike in difficulty for 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 you but it's like it is such a cleanly designed uh, game additionally if you need like more accessibility functions we're like oh this is too hard you can give yourself multiple jumps you can give yourselves like invincibility like mm. there's all sorts of things that you can do to like make this game accessible for you to, you to make make it through but it also forever tags your your game safe it does but at the same time it's like well this is the way to get through it that's the way to get through it that's true. um and uh because the story in there which is the first time that i've had like a pixel pl- perfect platformer that like actually has like a legitimately like heartfelt warm story you're saying sonic and knuckles didn't have a good story i mean you know that and and meat boy are probably like pretty pretty close you know just i'm totally kidding sonic and knuckles is the uh but yeah to have like that much of a story have multiple characters that you like care about uh throughout the course of the game um i've like lots of things about the development of the game are are fascinating and interesting the fact that it started out as a as a pico 8 which is a really like an 8-bit uh style game and it only can do 32 levels and they took this idea that they had and uh, transitioned it over into the game that it is now uh, with the narrative and everything. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the music is also fantastic in this game. But Celeste is my game of the decade. Nice. All right, so we're going to go to a single-player game of the decade. Mine is Bioshock Infinite. Nice. Came out March 26th. 2013. I still need to play it, oh, man. Oh, man. It breaks my heart that you haven't played it, it. I still need to play it. You would love it so much. Ah. Um, this story, this is, so in the story, you're, you're, uh, you are a character and you have a non-playable companion. Um, and I have, n- I have never before or never since had that much of a connection to a non-playable character before. Interesting. Um, and in just the way that like, she helps you out. Elizabeth is her name. She helps you out. Um, well, also you have to protect her. And uh, like, it's just like this, it's this, uh, it feels like a real relationship yeah. between her and Booker, the nice. the character, which is you. And so like, and there's like some very like bombastic uh, action packed scenes, but there's also some really quiet scenes where, you know, you pick up a guitar and she sings a song, you know, like there's like, oh man, it's just, it's so good, dude. Cool. Um, I dig it. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's mine. I dig it. Um, I, mine, I, I didn't put like single player because the Celeste is single player, but I put triple A because I, I mean, it's an indie. So I have a, I have a triple A category here. Right, you know how like right. majority of the time they have like game of the year, independent game yeah, of the yeah, year. Yeah, this yeah. is my, my triple A right, right, game right, right. of the decade. And that is, uh, I actually swapped it from the last time you probably saw my list. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh. The, Zelda Breath of the Wild and God of War came out the same year within a month of each other. Yeah. And they continuously flip flop on my lists like 
forever and always they will probably do that like depending on the moment that i think about it um and the moment that i uh that i that i decide it's like well one or be on top and then the other zelda breath of the wild is amazing like the fact that they just let you go free like once you're off of the great plateau like it sets you free and, and it just says hey go anywhere and you can go and you can find yourself into a cave and get wrecked but the vast majority of the time like you go there and you find some cool things and you and every single like mountain that you climb every single cave you go into has something interesting to to find uh, something to equip something to consume yeah or some sort of like l like environmental storytelling that happens there so um it's all the breath of the wild man it's such a such a great game it is i still need to finish it uh my multiplayer game of the decade nice is black ops 2 came out november 12th 2012 mm. you notice it's not destiny and it's not uh, Fortnite, which were you know definitely like games that I play a lot of, uh, but Black Ops Two multiplayer, that's right, was just so good, and the zombies, yeah, were so good, yeah. So I will say, like that game, it's, it's up there, it's up there, super high. It's like in my top ten list of all time or whatever. The game that I had to give it to this time because for the vast amount of time that I spent playing it was destiny one. Mm. And the fact that that mm -hmm. was a game that introduced me to like a genre where yeah. it's like, this changed my gaming life yeah. probably forever where it's like, okay, this is yeah. like an MMO light, you know? And so it's like, Oh, I know now know and have that experience of a raid. I have that yep. experience of like gearing up this armor of grinding, of shooting into a loot cave. All of these things happen because of destiny. Yeah. Um, and uh, if I were to give a shout out, it would be to rocket league for like on the competitive mm. side, but mm -hmm. you know, not quite, not quite the, uh, the high like life changing multiplayer yeah. of destiny. I, I was funny because I was, uh, whenever I saw your list, I was like, man, I was actually thinking about destiny one this morning as I was putting my shoes yeah. before I go to work. So, uh, I don't know what made me think of it, but I was sitting there and it's early in the morning. It was, you know, like, and so there's not a lot of thoughts that run through my brain <laughs> early in the morning, but for some reason I was like, man, I really miss destiny one. Mm-hmm. And just the activities that came with it and the sense of community that came with it. Yeah. Um, because, like, I, I was, I think I was, uh, I saw some stuff yesterday that was like, I guess there's some kind of puzzle going on right now in Destiny 2. I don't know. Something that was like just way too complex for me to even try to care about. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, I just kind of miss the simplicity of, you know, pushing Atheon off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate question in that raid i always loved and and to this day of it so do we want to cheese this thing do we cheese the bridge do we cheese the bridge you know yeah. do, we do we cheese this or not you yeah know? it's like that that is is such a cool cool experience and, to well, have had. And, and those became such a part of the meta game that yeah. i was honestly like bummed whenever they took them out oh yeah just like Man, I, I kind of want to like have the option to play the cheese version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just you know, do you want to like just turn on all the bugs again, please? Well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I can remember growing up playing video games. Yeah, we'd always be like, I wonder if we can do this, right? And like, it was like our mission to find the bugs. Uh, games would release. Yeah, they'd have bugs in them. Yeah, and like you can't, they can't release a patch. Yeah, so there's bugged. So it's like, oh, if you go into this corner, do this move, and then you know, like sweep your left uh, uh -huh. stick this way. It's like you fall through the ground, and yep. you're like, now I'm just in the environment. Yeah, and you can just sneak around underneath the environment and like take people out or like whatever. You know, it's I super love fun. stuff like that. Uh, but. Man, uh, you can't uh, you can't do that these days. Can't whenever do that. you a live patch games, that's right? Um, yeah, it's, good. It's, it it's a good call out. That's the way it goes. All right, my throwback game Ooh. of the decade 
is Sonic Mania. Nice. Wait, did you say when Destiny came out? Oh, Destiny came out in September 9th, 2014. I think mm. I also missed uh, got, uh, the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild came out March 3rd, 2018. Okay. Um, so, and Celeste came out January 25th, 2018. So, so check this out. I just want to mm, say this. Yeah. Within the, uh, the time frame of like four months, we had Celeste in January, Zelda Breath of the Wild in March, and God of War in April. Three of three games that are on my top ten list, all within like six months of each other. Yeah. What year was that? 18? It's 2018, yeah. It's a good year. It's a good year. Um, so my throwback game is Sonic Mania. Nice. came out August 15th, 2017. Ah, nice. I love it. Uh, probably the best Sonic game of all time. I'll agree with that. Um, Everything down to like the music and like the way they've remixed a lot of those classic levels. tracks. There's just one level that I can't stand, and it's of course the freaking water level. Where like there's just like one part where like you have to hit it exactly right. Yep. Or else you don't get through it. It's really funny to me that out like, of your control that that is a thing because like I think the developer even said like, well, it's a Sonic game, so we have to have a water level. I'm like, why? Why? It could have been a perfect ten game. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that uh, <laughs> the, my uh, my only criticism of the game it's it's both a strength and a criticism in that. Um, all the levels, the, each world was designed by a different person. Yeah. And, you know, like some of them were popular modders. Some mm-hmm. were people who like had released you know, like fan versions of these games. Um, and, uh, and so I don't think that the gameplay is as consistent as it should be all the way through the, the entire game. Yeah. Cause if you look at something even like, you know, Celeste or whatever, sure. There are new gameplay mechanics that are introduced level to level, but it does have like this kind of big arc to it where it's like, Oh, at the end of it, you're utilizing all of the skills that you've learned throughout the entire previous levels. And now you to get to the summit. Whereas like, it never felt quite like that in Sonic mania, but each level like within itself was like, this is the most fantastic version of a casino level that I've ever played. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the most fantastic version of a, uh, of even like a water level. It's like, Oh, that's the most, the most forgiving water level that I've ever played, even though it's like super frustrating still, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. My throwback game, Chris shovel Knight yeah. came out, uh, June 26, 2014. Um, this one was like one that, that introduced me to a genre of video game. And that's the kind of like why it's on this list is like the, the, the kind of platforming, like pixel perfect platforming is like reintroduced me to that element of, my gaming history where it's like yeah. I played a lot of games, you know, growing up or whatever. And, and then just kind of lost the thread as far as platformers go until this game came out. And I was obsessed with it for about, you know, two weeks and, until I beat it. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Um, but then like from then on, it's like uh, any you know, kind of Metroidvania kind of platforming action game that I can get my hands on. I try to like, it's like, Hey, this is a really good one in that genre. I'm like, okay, I got to try it. And uh, eventually I'll try it. You know, I've, I've been playing hollow Knight now and it's like, okay, that's a direct result. Yeah. Of like this other game because like typically Hollow Knight wouldn't be a game that I would necessarily be like ah oh, I'm not really necessarily into it but yeah. because of Shovel Knight because of my experiences with those types of games now I'm here and it's uh and it's been a been a great time so props to to Shovel Knight yeah um, I did have a shout out here though okay to Scott Pilgrim versus the World oh man such a great game such a great game August 10th 2010 can't even play it anymore 2010, 2010 right there at the beginning yeah man. Uh, yeah, I remember playing that in my living room on like uh, it wasn't. I didn't. We didn't have that uh, flat screen TV. Yeah, it was, it was just a CRT TV. Yeah, it was a small blast. television. It was and amazing. Like you said, can't play it anymore. If yeah. anybody has that on your system, don't delete, delete it. it. Yeah. Uh, okay, racing game of the decade. Wait a minute. I think I put. I think I got this wrong. Oh, what? Hang on, hang on. Uh, I wanted. I think it's 
I wanted the one that's in Australia. Oh, that's Forza Horizon 3. All that's right. the one that I put that's on what there. That's you put, yeah. Yeah. I just looked at it. I'm like, I don't want four. Yeah, we I are in agreement one. on three. this. Forza Horizon 3. So Forza when did that come out? Three. September 27th, 2016. Yes. So, yeah, it's uh, Forza Horizon 3 in Australia. It's a blast, man. That that yep. like game and uh, the ones prior to it, like I played both of those, like they were fantastic. They were super fun, but that one took it and like just just pushed it all the rest of the way, yeah. like all well, the I mean, way up. You've got you know you got all the stuff along the coast that's really fun. You've got the uh, the sand dunes, oh, dude. The sand there's, dunes and the buggies. There's some cool stuff in the city. Like my least favorite part is like trying to get around that stupid mountain that's flat in the middle of the the map for some reason. That's right, that's right. Um, but other than that, I think it's near. A perfect map. Agreed. Um, and perfect game. Uh, additionally, they had some really cool uh, downloadable content, like the uh, oh, yeah, the Bl- snow. Blizzard Mountain. Yeah, Blizzard Mountain. That was one of my, like, my favorite pieces of downloadable content. I and think I played Hot that in like, two days. Dude. And then the Hot Wheels. Dude. Mm. You're on Hot Wheels tracks. Yeah. Driving Hot Wheels cars. They decided to change some of the progression where it's like, okay, as uh-huh. you progress through this, you get faster and faster and faster cars. Yep. And I thought that was a fantastic look, way oh, to totally. do it with Hot Wheels. You know? Totally. Super fun, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Since we agreed on that one, um, I uh, so you you added this category, and yeah. I uh, decided to find something for it because I th- immediately thought of something. I was like, "That's a great Ooh, category, awesome." Uh, mobile game, yeah. Hearthstone, yes. Okay, that came out March eleventh, twenty fourteen. I love it, dude. That's where I play the most. Uh, played the most Hearthstone, and if I play it anymore, that's still where I play it. Yeah, and I think it honestly, I think I, I, I could be wrong. I think it came out. Like there in beta before it came out anywhere else. It might have because I, I mean, I, I didn't, I had a Mac, like, and I would have played it on there. I just don't. I, I mean, I could be wrong, and I did play the beta, uh, but yeah, man, Hearthstone, like, is like it was so fun, uh, getting into that game whenever it came out and learning all the decks and all the meta strategies and collecting the decks and cards. It's uh, it's a good game. What's funny about the podcast is like there's a, t- a time there where like within that time frame, when did it come out again? March 11th, 2014. Yeah, so like there was a time there where like literally it was like you know we'd be like, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> Playing more Hearthstone, you <laughs> yeah, know, like every single time. time it dude. was like it was like this little asterisk by yeah. uh, also played Hearthstone. Yeah, you know, and uh, but yeah, it's it, that's awesome. I whenever it finally came to mobile and I played it, um, it was really fun didn't grab me as much you know yeah. it's like, i do like i do like deck builders but it didn't grab me quite well, as much as and it I got say, like, into you it uh i fell off of it hard recently mainly because um and they have to do this to keep it going but like they rotated out basically all the decks i'd collected ah and and there's a classic version that you can play where it's just like all the decks but the metagame's still not the same as it mm-hmm. was because it's all the decks mm-hmm. that exist yeah and so um you know, I could get in, like you know, try to like learn the new meta and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I don't know. I have it's constantly, to do. constantly evolving thing. Um, my mobile game, Florence, came mm, out February. So good. February fourteenth, twenty eighteen. Chris, another one within that twenty eighteen. I didn't realize that, didn't like realize that, that came out in uh, on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a it's really a fun game. thing. Yeah, it's a relationship game. A game about like uh, it's a mobile game and it's and it can't be anything besides a mobile game. Yeah, because of like a lot of the activities that you do and it's like there's simple puzzles in there. Yeah, but like the story and the music and the way that that all unfolds. Like I played it on an airplane and I you know at the I end of it I was like getting That's emotional. Funny. I was sitting there on the airplane like getting all emotional yeah. I'm like this, this, I didn't think expect this to happen yeah. you know it's like and so it's it, it is a really solid solid game and again can only be a mobile game yeah i was on a work trip and i was like i have to keep it together, <laughs> keep it together. <laughs> don't think about it yeah. don't think about it um all right you added this one too and it was a good call game soundtrack yeah. of, the, of the decade 
Uh, mine is Red Dead Redemption, May 18th, 2010. Dude, snuck in. Yeah. Snuck in. Probably my favorite game soundtrack of all time. Yeah. Like I, not just the decade. Yeah, yeah. All time. And like it feels it feels right for it to be for Red Dead Redemption to be on your list here yeah. and somewhere just in general. Like I mean yes. obviously like it's getting made oh I had this other other one, but like for Red Dead Redemption, like that was like one of your favorite games. Like it's on that top ten list. Yep. It's like again a lot of mine are on this top ten list. And so it's it's fitting that it's on this list somewhere yeah. for the decade. I thought about putting it in a single player story, but then I was like, you know what? I think the connection, like between the other two characters, I actually liked that. Yeah, enjoyed it more. Yeah, I, that's it's almost like heresy to say. Yeah, because like I wouldn't necessarily put Bioshock Infinite in one of my in my top like five games of all time. Sure, I would put Red Dead Redemption there, but I think as a package, it's better. The story is what gets me in uh, in Bioshock Infinite. Dude, for sure. Um, and so, like, this one, as far as the music goes, I've listened to that soundtrack so much Yeah. Um, for Red Dead Redemption. Um, but my game soundtrack, Celeste, again. Nice. Uh, Rain, like, wrote an amazing soundtrack that, like, plays into the story as well as the gameplay of uh, of that, that platformer, like, incredibly well. Like, yeah. the, whenever the story comes down and talks, talking about, like, anxiety and talks about all this, it really just ramps up those emotions, ramps up, like, the, the complexity. And if you break it down from, like, a music theory perspective, there's so many different themes and arpeggiations that show up in all of the different songs throughout. So it's a uh, it's a ridiculously well-crafted soundtrack um, to a ridiculously well-crafted video game. Um, so, yeah, that's mine. Shout out also to uh, to Bastion. That was another one that Bastion's I listened to all one. the time. Yeah. Um, like, that's that's one that... When did that come out? That came out in uh, 2011, July 20th, right. 2011. I remember whenever that game came out specifically because it was the uh, the summer of arcade, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that soundtrack is fantastic. Dude, I used as well. to I used to buy and play every single summer of arcade yeah. game. Now they kind of like do like I don't know what season of summer, yeah. and it's like twenty games. Like hey, I can't play all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like all at once. They they drop all like all at once. Yeah. Whereas like. Well, this one would be like uh, four games over the course of like four weeks, right? Like, and that's manageable. Totally and like, there's always like a reduced price if you bought all, all of them, them, you yeah. know. So, yeah. Um, all right. So now we're moving on from games into movies. Movies. So we're gonna start with uh, you. Start this this uh, this this one. This okay. Is so my movie of the decade. Uh, the movie of the decade. So I separated mine into two categories, okay, and they were right. ba- basically equal. But like one of them is the animated category, and I, one I of them is live that. action. I, I added that. So it's like live action and animated. So I'll start with animated, and that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I chose that as well. It came out December first, two thousand eighteen. I just decided to copy you, dude. I mean that's totally fine because that is a fantastic movie. Yeah, like it is a movie that like the visually there's nothing like it, and yeah. it pushed the envelope as far as like what you can do and should do in animated movies, where it's like oh different frame rates for different characters and different art styles. Yeah, they decided to do things and not do them like just the standard kind of DreamWorks or even like Pixar kind of animation style way. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's create a brand new way to do this yeah. because that's going to be better. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. So I almost went with uh Lego movie. Yep. That's another one. It was groundbreaking as well. Agreed. But um, I think that into the spider verse is more visually, uh, impressive i agree like you look at any freeze frame of uh of this movie and it's like that just print it put it on my wall yeah and it's it's just visually striking you immediately know what movie it's from you immediately know like exactly like think about the lego movie a lot of it like a lot of my enjoyment of it hinges on the story as well that's true that's true um 
and so yeah the soundtrack is also fantastic of that one so yeah that, that plays into uh to a lot of it too yeah all right chris the live action movie mm. we've got mine was gravity and that came out in 2013 mm. august 28th 2013 does not feel like that was that long ago no. man yeah ah. uh gravity's great um i can remember Blows like seeing that in the imax theater on the huge screen. I think I saw it like three or four times. I know. I did too. In I IMAX. I didn't see so it much four. I saw it like a couple times in IMAX. Um, yeah. So good. It's it's fantastic. Like the, the, the fact that like the one of the things I love about it is that it is such a um a distilled story and such a distilled like vision yeah. for this thing. It's a journey from point A to point B yeah. and like all of the perils that come with that. And I love the fact that like, hey, everything focuses itself and you can like, you can read through some of the subtext and like get kind of some of the emotions and the motivations of, of these characters, but there's only like two characters mm. and it's, and so like you have like this, this very, very large scale event, but like focused down to a small scale yeah. individual. Yeah. So, so my movie of the decade, so I, I broke it like, cause this is the thing. Yeah. Like I appreciate animated movies, but like in the spider verse, there's so many other movies that would like be on top of it. Sure. If I like put them all right next to each other, you know, in, in a, that's why I liked the fact that we separated yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah. But my movie gives it a chance to shine. Exactly. Movie of the decade. Yeah. Inception came out July 22nd, 2010. Bom, bom, bom. So good. Dude. What's crazy is, um, uh, I so this past Sunday actually, and this is what like what made me like put it on the because I hadn't decided on the movie of the decade yet this past Sunday, and uh, I had laid down and take a nap because I got up real early um, that morning, and uh, I got up and Dee Dee was watching Inception, and then so we just like kind of sat there and finished it mm-hmm. like it's it's just such a great movie yeah such a great cast yeah. So well, like direct cinematography is amazing. They did like crazy things with technology, making the the like the the huge hallway that spins. Um, the concept is so like high level, but he boils it down into simple things. Uh, the soundtrack, dude, soundtrack's dude. one of the best. Yeah, I also like the fact that like I think we mentioned this in the review to that or or whatever you know whenever we have talked about it in the past. It's like a. Assuming that hey, people are paying attention to this. Like at mm-hmm. the time, like it was a lot of like big budget movies were very like oh well, let's we got to spoon feed the story, spoon yep. feed like the motivations, like what's going on. It's like that none of that happens in this. It's like okay, yep. you got to be paying attention to this, and we expect that you are, but yep. it's simple enough that you can understand this complex idea. Like like yep. you said, like it brings it down to like this the simplest thing, which dreams within dreams within dreams, and then we're there. And I think like the thing is, I st- we still watch it. And then have a discussion about it afterwards, talking about what it means and what, like, you know, is he leaves the ending ambiguous enough for you, like, what it what actually happened? What do you think? Is this a dream? You know, the, yeah. those things. And I'm like, to, for for us still be having conversations about that, sure. Ten years later, yeah. After watching it so many times, yep. That's impressive. That's dude. impressive, dude. It's really impressive. Christopher Nolan's a genius. <sighs> Agreed. Um. In the documentary movie, we yeah. have that, oh, that first, written down. Oh, go ahead. I, I thought of something today. Yeah, go for and it. And this might be fudging it a little. Oh, okay. I'm into it. Um, I was like, I wonder what my, my uh, if I was going to name a director of the decade, what would it be? Fascinating. So I went back. So uh, the person I chose is Damien Chazelle. He did La La Land, Whiplash, First Man. Yeah. Um, I think he was a breakout, like, 
director in the past decade. Now, his first movie was technically in 2009, mm-hmm. but like he didn't hit anything like really popular. He was just like, it was just an indie movie until Whiplash. Um, and uh, to me, like if you look back over the past few years, like a breakout, like man, this is yeah. a hot director. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing. He can like he hits emotions. Like that's it. And uh, he got nominated for uh, best picture on his second like movie, like mm-hmm. like big budget. When by big budget, I just mean it had a budget movie. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Anyway, I love that's, it. It's kind of fudging it a little since no. he started his career in two thousand nine. Uh, but my thing is like you know it, the rules can be whatever we say they are. That's Chris. true. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so down to documentary movie. Yeah. Um, I have a cat, like the only, do- I don't really watch that many documentary okay. movies, yeah. but I do want to say I, uh, I'm also kind of like sliding this one in here as a, as a unique way to talk about God of War, whereas the God of War <laughs> documentary, hey, that's a documentary. It is a documentary. Yeah. It's called raising Kratos. Okay. And, uh, it came out May 10th, 2019. Nice. Talks about the there development of, uh, of one of my year? favorite games. It came yeah. out this year. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's a, uh, it's no, a, I'm sorry. Last year. Yeah. This last is 2020. Year. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah. But yeah, still within the last year. Crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a super fun look at one of my favorite video games of all time. Like it's it's a uh, two hours long, and it just goes through the development in a way that like most games just are released, and yeah. that's all you hear about them. Yeah. Um, I I did like. I'll talk about it next week, but like uh, No Clip has uh, is a a, a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and uh, like a Patreon thing that they have started doing documentaries on various games. So, like they're yeah. doing Bastion and Transistor, and they did uh, Outer Wilds. And so, like th- there are things that are happening now where it's like, okay, we're documenting like how these games kind of re- were released, and yeah. like it's fascinating to me on something as such a large scale as God of War to like what does that development process look like, and what are the struggles that happen with something that that I would consider like a, a, a 10 out of 10 masterpiece right, game, right, right. you know? So fascinating. It relates to uh, one of my book picks later. Ooh. We'll talk about that later. Uh, my documentary movie is The Square. came out January 18th, 2013. Okay, so The Square, this is the movie that's on Netflix. It was, yeah. I think it, I thought I thought it won. Maybe uh, I'd have, have to look it up. Um, so it is about the Arab Spring in Egypt um, back uh, back in, uh, I guess it happened in 2011, 2012, that time. The thing that I love about it so much is number one, these events had just happened. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's rare that we get a documentary film on basically current events. The other thing that I love about it is from a, like a historical perspective, um, at the time, because uh, the government wanted to squash uh, any kind of um, revolution – like they shut down the internet, basically. Like there wasn't a whole lot of news coming out of there because there was no, like, no one. They stopped people from posting on social media, mm. like they wanted to, because that's how they were organizing. And so, like, uh, this this documentary movie kind of explores that a little, mm-hmm. and it like it does a good job of like showing both sides, both pro government forces or uh, pro government people and anti government protesters within like friend friend groups. They're like. The, the crazy thing to me is that this was a current event and someone there, like whoever the, the producers are, like they had the coherence mm-hmm. to say, this will be a story after it's over that's worth telling. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like, while this is happening, have our conversations with people and asking them how, like, really why are they motivated about what they're doing? There's like riots happening in the street outside and they're talking to them about like what's happening. Like that's, that's, that's. 
there's some presence of mind yeah. there uh, to know that this is going to be important mm-hmm. someday. It's like, and it's important right now. It's like the most journalism of the journalists. Yes. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. Yes. And, and I like, cause there, yeah, there are documentaries that are like, Hey, they pull all these news footage and all this kind of stuff years later and compile them and talk to people about what happened. But it's rare that you see something like this that's talking to people as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I recommend it. It's really good. It's, I mean, it's like, and it's one of the things where it's like, you understand it. I mean, I just think I just knocked <laughs> things off the shelf. I don't I think, know. I think going. a book just fell. Oh, uh, it's, you, you understand it better because you, now you've, you've seen an insider view and feel like, you know, at least a piece of what it was like to be there. Right. Whereas, like, because it was hard to tell what was happening and what was real um, at, at the time, uh, it's just a perspective that we never would have gotten otherwise. On to the movie soundtrack, mm. which I also added. The uh, Dark Phoenix is mine. That came out June 7th, 2019. And the reason, there are probably better soundtracks <laughs> and soundtracks that I like better. Yeah. But there hasn't been like a movie that it's like, this is probably a good solid, you know, six movie, six out of 10 movie. And then the soundtrack alone probably cranks it up to about an eight for me. Mm. You know, it's like, that's a, like, there's a huge ramp up. If that soundtrack was not in that movie, it probably would not be nearly as good to me <laughs> as I uh, as I appreciated that that soundtrack. So that's why that's on this list in this spot. So this is one where I actually uh, didn't I couldn't think of a uh, my favorite um, movie soundtrack. Nice. Like I don't know that I have a movie sound like it's more game soundtracks that yeah. I've listened to over the past uh, decade. I dig it. Um, it, it. It's really hard for me to pick. Because I, I thought about because you had added these like soundtrack ones after, yeah. like today, and I was like, I just can't. Maybe I'll think of one later. Yeah, <laughs> probably like as soon as I leave here. But like I just I couldn't think of a, I couldn't think of one that I'm like that's definitely my favorite. I dig it. The the other shout out that I'll give is the Wonder Woman theme in Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Like whenever that Hans Zimmer like composing like that yeah. with the cello or that. Oh my that's goodness, the thing. It's it, would, like, it would probably be like if I was gonna say something, it'd probably be like the the Inception sh- soundtrack. It's so good. But again, like you know, uh, because it's just that movie and like, it's just so good. Hans Zimmer's just my probably my favorite composer of oh, the decade. Oh, dude, totally, hundred percent. Everything he does and touches is amazing. Agreed. Um, movie event. And I have this down as The Force Awakens, Yeah, the release of that. I'll like, agree with that. It's December 14th, 2015. The world changed because Star Wars was finally back. Yeah. What we didn't ever think was going to happen, happened. And that's, you know, that's what we got. Yep. It's amazing. And obviously, like, we're wrapping up this uh, this trilogy within the same decade. So, like, that's, you know, it's a big movie event, Chris. All right. We got, uh, we're going to move on uh, comic series of the decade. Boom. All right. So, uh, my favorite comic series is Batman Quarter of Owls. I dig that one. That's a I great I think it's pick. like a, a 12 issue span. That seems right. That like seems right. Year? Like a whole year. A year's year. Worth. Yeah. Um, it started in October 2011. So, at the very beginning, dude. Dude, right there. Yeah. And that's fascinating, too, because, like, I, I did appreciate some of the stuff, like, moving into, like, like the new 52 or whatever, but that one in particular, like mm-hmm. it just stands out. Well, it's like we've had, so, we've had so many iconic Batman storylines. Right. And like so many that it's like, it's hard to reach the top. Yeah. Like, it's hard to reach like the, the heights of the dark Knight returns mm-hmm. and hush and, uh, long Halloween, long Halloween, all those, like those great comic series. And like for a modern Batman story to reach that height. Yeah. 
So good. So good. And that all continued. Like uh, whenever uh, Scott Snyder like, continued to, to, to write Batman for a really long time there, it's like th- there are some really good stretches in there, but you started off with just this like really absolutely incredible uh, incredible story. Yeah. Mine is also by Scott Snyder. Mm. Uh, I have mini series is kind of what I, what I put down, but it's The Wake, and that came out in 2014, and mm. that is a uh, – it's an independent kind of a, uh, a published thing. It's a horror-esque yeah. uh, thing. I, the thing I liked about this series was that halfway through, we had a massive time jump. So basically you had like current days, and they're discovering like the, the horrors of the deep. And they encounter uh, a a civilization of uh, of of beasts down there, and then horrible things happen to that crew, and then you jump forward like thousands and thousands of years. Wow! And uh, then you find out what happened to the world after the events that happened in the first half, like after that 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 big thing. And so the world is like you know flooded a little bit, and it's like there's everybody's kind of on edge and it's just a really cool series like from that this. initial I, concept. I never read that it's really good i, I read I, very his, much uh, it. I, I recently fin- i read reread through witches that's uh, right this year that's right um and it was good it's a good one yeah that but, one i the only thing about the wake was i wish it was longer i was i mm. wish it had been like ongoing like i wish oh, man, i wish it, like eight, eight issues yeah well or, or like uh yeah it was eight issues and i wish that it had been maybe like a, an additional like few there for the for the back half yeah uh, the uh, my the comic issue of the decade is Action Comics 1000. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Came out in June 2018. I mean, how can you like the, a thousand only happens once, dude? And it also like they they brought together a lot of amazing stories. Yep. Um, into that ser- into that that issue, and yeah. like it was, it's just jam packed. Like it's kind of an anthology of of different uh, Superman stories, right? And I I appreciated the fact that like each one had something like unique about them, but they mm-hmm. also like as you read through, it's like oh this they're all equal kind of quality. Like yeah. none of them were like oh that one was clearly the one, and all the others were the B story. You know, right. it's like all of them were were very very uh, cohesive. Yeah, uh, graphic novel series is the Rust series by Royden Lepp. It started on November 30th, 2011 with the uh, first release. Dude, and surprising absolutely no one, obviously, <laughs> but that is like fantastic. That is, yeah. that is one of the it's best. one of our favorite things, like collectively, stay on target's favorite things. For real, man. And like every every book that came out or whatever, it was always just a a, a continuation and like it upped the ante and it's like, oh my goodness, it's more cinematic. It's, it's it, like the art is more gorgeous. And it, Fantastic, man. Yeah. Royden Lepp also, really awesome guy to chat with. If you yeah. haven't listened to our two conversations with Royden, you should uh, you should dive into those podcasts for sure. We uh, we go pretty deep into his story and uh, and take apart some of the themes and some of the things that he was going for. Yeah. Uh, you want to do the TV stuff? Yeah, let's do some TV stuff. So my TV series of the decade is Rebels. Mm, Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels. October 3rd, 2014 premiere. And uh, that entire series was so good from from the beginning to the end. Amazing. It it just got better and better throughout. It's literally one of my favorite Star Wars things. Agreed. And honestly, like the back season, the last season, in watching things for the Mandalorian review, I watched a lot of the Mandalorian episodes throughout there. And like, I was like, I got sucked back into Rebels. Like yeah. I was watching like the ending like episodes again, and I'm just like, oh man, I'm so, this is so amazing, oh, it's so good. So yeah, so fantastic. If you watch it on uh, Disney Plus, just make sure they're all in order. Yeah, that's just right. To say that right now. That's right. Uh, my TV series of the decade is Game of Thrones. Uh, I talked about it a little earlier. That came out April seventeenth, two thousand eleven. Um, it started at the beginning of the decade and ended last year, the end of the decade. Man, um, spanned the whole thing. Uh, just such a great show. Uh, based on like the books, especially the early seasons, whenever like 
I mean, I say it's just a bunch of people sitting around talking, but I freaking love, like, it's just such great diet. It's kind of like, it's on the same level for me uh, as um, uh, a guy who writes the newsroom. What is his name? Uh, um, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, gosh, dang West it. Wing guy. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, there it is. It's like Aaron Sorkin writing, only only less, like, biting. Yeah. You know, it's less, like, uh, pinpoint, uh, um, uh, how do I say it? I don't know, like... You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it's but it's but it's equally as uh, impressive mm-hmm. what they did with that series for sure. For um, sure. And it just reached movie level heights. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I was going to say about it was like it, it may have started as a based on a book, but then who knows? Maybe the book is based on it <laughs> right? because those books haven't come out yet. <laughs> how you often? Know? Yeah. How often do you see that happen? It's you know. So that's that is it is unique in and of the decade in and of itself. And honestly, the history of television that's never happened before. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The next one. Ongoing TV series. Mm. I have The Mandalorian, which obviously is 2019. There's my 2019, Chris. Uh, November 28th, 2019. So that's obviously, we've got a season two. It's already like deep into the filming of uh, of season two of Mandalorian. Yeah. We all know how much I love that. Reviewed it with Jared, you know, a couple weeks ago. So love it. Mine is Bob's Burgers, which You're unbelievably so came out January 9th, two thousand eleven. Dude, that's so good. I, like I can't. I don't. I'm. I think it's crazy. I didn't. Didn't know it was that old. I didn't know it was that old. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that old. The funny thing about Bob's Burgers is that it it, it continually like it gets better and better and better yeah. and better. And it's like I don't know how that it, it continues to do that because like there are certain seasons where you're like, well, you can't up that episode, and <laughs> right? it's like then the next season you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, and it's unlike. In my mind, like something like South Park, where it's yeah. like, oh, you know, South Park like has its peak. It definitely right. has like a moment where it's like, oh, that's it. this still feels like Bob's Burgers hasn't reached its peak right. yet, and so that's very interesting. Well, and the thing that like I like about Bob's Burgers more than I like uh, like South Park and The Simpsons and like Family Guy is like it's it's oddly wholesome. Yeah, like they all love each other. Yeah, like it's this nice family show. Yeah. Uh, and like where they, I mean, they obviously all have their own quirks oh, and yeah. like crazy things yeah, about yeah. them, you know, and like, but the, but like at the end of the day, they're all a family and they all love each other. Right. And it's it, not like you jam packed down in your throat that that's no. what's happening, but it's just very apparent. And that's like the premise that you go in with right. every single week. And while it may feel more like, like Seinfeld in the, it's yeah. like this, this unit is, is unbreakable, yep. unshakable, you know, these, like this group totally. And then it's them versus the rest of the world or the rest of the world. Like it tries Rather to try. Tries to break them apart, part, and then like, yeah, rather yeah. than them versus each other, which is yeah. really, really unique and fun. I love that. That's a good description. Um, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while. I dig it. Um, the next TV series debut. Yeah, I have the same one that I think you have, and it's Stranger Things. Yes. July fifteenth, my birthday. Yep. Twenty sixteen. Dude, so good. Yeah, man. Man, I'll never forget that first season of Stranger Things. <laughs> so good. So we sat there. We started it. Um, I think oddly. I th- I feel like uh, what day was that? Well, hang on, let's let's see what day that was. You yeah. said 2016. Yeah, 2016, July 15th. So, um, man, man, that long ago? That long ago? That's crazy. Dude. I mean, we've got three, you know, two more seasons after that, like that have happened. Okay. And they're in production on on the next one. So, so it was a Wednesday. So I remember we uh, started watching it that Friday, that 17th. Yeah. When after I got home from work, watched it till like 3 a.m. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. Like only really had two episodes left yeah. and watched them both the next day. 
And that's the uh, thing about like Netflix. That was crazy. That was the glorious thing. Like we talk about how the Mandalorian, like spacing out the episodes, like it plays to its benefit. Stranger Things, it played to its benefit that it was all there. Yeah. Because like if if Stranger Things had debuted and it was just the first episode, <sighs> or even the first two episodes, it's like it wouldn't have hit nearly as hard no. as if you could just literally sit there all weekend and yep. watch this thing. So like the fact that like oh, the week week by week uh, is this credit to the success of Mandalorian, yeah. the just complete binge worthiness of Stranger Things is uh, is definitely, you know, part of the reason it's so successful. I also think there was something to the way that Netflix was releasing and promoting things back then. Sure. Because, like, right now, like, and I, it's a big complaint I have about Netflix right now is, like, I don't know what's on there half the time. Yeah. And I don't know when new things drop on there. It's funny, like, I'll have to, like, look and see, but there are a couple of key things that, like, it knows that I like a lot. Like, because right. I watch them, like, immediately. But it seems um, to only it, show me those things. Exactly. It doesn't show me things outside of what my wheelhouse already yeah. is. You but, know, it doesn't so, go, like, hey, it's you know a, what? It's like, it's like a self-perpetuating cycle. Exactly. Because you just watch the same thing, so it feeds you the same thing. Essentially, it never shows I'm, you anything in, else. I'm in the animation and sci-fi, like, path, yeah. like, on Netflix. And it's like, both of those things, let me just shove them at John, you know? Right. And see if he wants to watch them. So, right. yeah. Um, moving on to the TV series finale, mm. and uh, you have decade. you kind of like put both of these down here, but I'm I, I, one of them is for sure the clear winner in my mind for me. Okay, and that is Lost. Mm, yep, and that is May twenty third, twenty ten. Yep, that was an event, dude. dude so it was at such the time, you weren't married yet. Uh, we were, and we lived across town. I remember coming to your house, yeah, to come over and watch the Lost. <sighs> we had like a party, yeah. We I don't I don't remember what we cooked. But we cooked some kind of we food. We cooked some stuff and uh, had a Lost party for yeah. that finale. Well, yeah, and we had like I, there was a few of them that year. Like every episode oh, was yeah, did, like a party. Yeah. Was well, like an event. It was like what the last like six episodes. Like it yeah. was like the back half of the season, right? That and they did like so we would do that for every episode, right? And I remember like you know there's a few of them like where I was like out of town or whatever, and I would have to watch them live because at the time it's like well you, you, yeah. there's no like streaming service no. you get them after that like you have to tape well, it Hulu, or like Hulu whatever. Was around, but I don't know if it was on Hulu. That seems that Hulu seems, was in its infancy back when right. it was free. Do you remember Hulu was free? Dude, I remember whenever like Netflix was like, you know, CD CDs, based. Yeah, or DVDs. DVD based. Yeah, you'd mail them in. Oh uh, yeah, my my TV series finale of the decade is The Office. Yeah. May 16, 2013. The last two seasons of The Office, not my favorite, kind of fell like the quality fell way off. Yeah. But that last episode, because Michael like if it didn't have this, the moment that I like is uh spoilers. But uh, Michael Scott came and he's and it was just it was just a funny line. Uh, but he said uh, it was because uh, Dwight and Angela were getting married. And he was just kind of hanging out. He didn't have a whole lot to say. And he turns to the camera or something like that. And he says, it's kind of like all your uh, your kids grew up and uh, and married each other. And uh, you're happy like as a fairytale Indian or something like that. Which, like, that's how he always viewed, like, the employees. Like, they were like a family and they were his kids and all that kind of stuff. And, like, it's funny because, of, you know, like, the, the idea, like, oh, your kids married each other. But, like, he really did care for these people. And I think like leaving it on that note, yeah, was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. TV series moment. Mm. We have this one down. I have it as Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian because nice. I can't think of a single thing that could possibly have blown apart <laughs> the internet and like a, a <laughs> fandom as Baby Yoda. Yeah. Like it's like that's just something that was like there's there's definitely I was talking to Jerry about it, there's a, definitely a pre Baby Yoda and a post Baby Yoda yeah. universe that we lived in. Yeah. You know, and and so like that was the one moment to me stands out to me of the decade. Yep. What is yours? My TV series moment of the decade is from the the uh, the Walking Dead. It's an episode called A. It's the season four, episode 16, season finale. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, this on the podcast, I think, at the time. Yeah, it came out March 30th, 2014. This is the one um, where 
basically like things are at their like darkest and um, everyone's kind of like they had left the prison and so they're all scattered trying to like figure out where are they going next and uh, Rick is with um, is with uh, uh, Carl and um, I can't remember the uh, other character the uh, the motorcycle guy uh, Daryl Daryl yep and uh, they get like ambushed by these guys on the road and basically like Carl's about to get taken and like there's like no way out um, and Rick bites this guy's neck and like Gets his jugular basically, and then like there's just this shot of like in slow motion of him just like spitting it all out like to the side, and it's like this is just like the lowest like he he this is the lowest Rick has ever had to be, and he's like fighting back like this is he has to do this to save the people that he loves like it's just like something just so raw about that where he's like you will do anything anything um. It's so, so cool. And just visually, it was shot cool. That was like the end of a great season. Yeah. That was probably my favorite. Like, if Honestly, that's, if, if we're being honest, that's probably the peak of the show. Probably the peak of, honestly, of The Walking Dead. You know, 100%. most likely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree with that. That um, show is going to be, you know, a zombie before they, before they end it. I know. It's, it's just, wild. Well, the thing, the problem is, and we've talked about this before, like, it just, it still beats everybody else at the time yeah, slot. Yeah. Because it's Sunday night. Like, who else yeah. watches TV on Sunday it's night? True, it's true. Uh, yeah. Streaming TV series, oh, Chris. Whoa. Wait, wait, I skipped one. Documentary TV series. I have none for oh, okay. this one. That's why I skipped it by oh, accident. I, uh, I, I so, totally sorry. forgot. So my documentary TV series is another Netflix documentary, Wild Wild Country. That's right. March 16th, 2018. I talked about this a little bit. It's about yeah. the this uh, this cult out in, I can't remember where it was, uh, California or, or uh, Oregon. Or Oregon or something Oregon like that. Yeah, right. Somewhere out west. Yeah. Um, where they basically, like, they come in and they uh, take over, they get kicked out of uh, the, I think it was India. So they, they, they are about to get like, because he was, uh, their leader was, um, uh, evading all these taxes and there's all this shady stuff going on. So they were going to arrest him. So they flee to the U S and they, they start this, this, uh, this camp, like a quote unquote utopian city. Yeah. To utopian city right next to another town and take over this town basically. And like do things like they, they try to murder everyone there. Yeah. Um, there's this whole like FBI like investigation and manhunt and f- there's a, a chase and it's, 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 it's insane. It's absurd. It's absurd. And it's like, it just ha- it happened in like the eighties or whatever. Yeah. And like, how did no one hear about this? How do I not know about this? <laughs> this is like right how before is it, I was How born. is this a thing that people even allowed why to happen? T- why don't we talk about this? Because there was like congressmen standing up in Congress talking about it. And like, yeah. I'm just like, why is this not a thing? Yeah. I don't know how we haven't heard about this. It was crazy. Yep. Uh, okay, sorry. Streaming TV series. <laughs> and I have Stranger Things is that. Just because oh, it's like, okay. this is, this is, I even, like, all of the seasons have been great. Yeah. So, or so except my, for season two episode, whatever that was. My thought process was this, because, like, well, now it's on Netflix, but it didn't used to be. It used to just be, like, on the internet, and you gotcha. just watch it on, like, YouTube or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Communities and Cars Getting Coffee. Yeah, that's right. Came out July 19th, 2012. Um, there's something I just love about uh, Jerry Seinfeld just hanging out with people. Like, it's just cool. Yeah. Um, and I think it's success, like, cause it did get picked up by Netflix and they're producing new seasons now and it's, it's huge moneymaker. Like that, that, I mean, it's just such a simple idea 
and uh, it's huge. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right, we'll move into the the music portion. Do you want to do you want to play your your favorite song? Yeah, so right I'm going to play the favorite single while we talk about this. And What's I, your favorite single? My favorite single is "Lean On" by mm. DJ Snake and Major Lazer, featuring Mo. Nice. And that was in March second, twenty fifteen. So good. Such dude. a great mix. Such a great sound. It's ah, it's it's just so good, man. Yeah. It's just a favorite. We are talking about my uh, my my favorite uh, single, "Despacito" remix by Louis Fonzi and Yankee Daddy, featuring Justin Bieber, April seventeenth. 2017 um, We're going to move on to Album of the Decade I dig it My album of the decade is 1989 by Taylor Swift It came out October 27th, 2014 Sweet, I love it dude It's a great one It's so good Like I listen to that so much mm-hmm. and like On repeat And it's funny because A lot of times whenever artists release new albums Like I'm ready uh, You know, a, about a year will go by and I'm, like, I'm ready for like When are they going to drop something else? I'm, yeah. I'm ready Yeah this one, like, I feel it, it felt like not that much time had passed, but it had been like three years. Yeah. Between yeah. albums. I'm like, I'm still listening to 1989, like, nonstop. Well, it's such, like, it's it, it's interesting whenever you have something that is a timeless mm. uh, feel immediately, where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, this was like, it sounds very timeless. Like, some things, like, you can, like, listen to and go, oh, this is straight up from the 90s. Yeah, straight yeah, up from, totally. like, 90, whatever. But that, like, that album still sounds good today. Yeah. Um, as with a lot of music that has been released in the last decade, it's like, okay, well, that still will sound good, like, yeah. whatever. Um, even, like, you know, my pick like the uh, the major laser and, and and dj snake song i was like that that will age itself based on some of like the the, the sounds the sounds like the vocoding and like yeah. some of the things like that like it'll date itself based on that but overall it's like it's like oh it's a good tone or whatever but that album 1989 it's like that could be released have been released in the 90s and just been a really like good mix yeah. in the 90s <laughs> yeah or it could have been released in like you know the last decade 2000 and 2010 or it could be released now you know yep. and so yeah i get that my album, Chris, is an album that like it definitely like changed a lot of things as far as like what people perceived as like you know mm. as as like big music. Mm. And it was Lord's Pure Heroin. Oh my gosh, you're right. Such a great album, dude. Such a good album. And a lot of people were like, you know, at, at the time, it like opened the door where it's like, well, you can have a really simple produ- production yeah. with like you know five or six things going on at once, and it still feel huge yeah. and still feel exactly right not be empty and not be like thin or anything like that like it, it feels so good every song on there is amazing um royals is uh is everybody's favorite but uh but by far my favorite buzz cut season yes and because that song oh, like man. there's so many things going on within it like yeah. the different melodies different like the harmonies the harmonies are so uh. just the lyrics Yep. Of that song are just so good, yeah, and dripping with both like b- specificity as well as like broad kind of uh, application to yeah. to everyone's lives as well as like just being a very specific thing to to her life. It's just a fantastic album. If I was gonna point out maybe a perfect song, yeah, like if I was gonna say, hey, if you like, these are the things you need to include in a song to make it perfect. And I know that's like ambiguous in <laughs> its art, but yeah. like. I think that is a perfect song. Yeah, I don't disagree, man. I don't disagree. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, the next category is uh, collection, music collection of the year. Uh, I had the 2020 experience, the complete experience by Justin Timberlake. Yeah. 
came out 20, July 30th, 2013. You have the same thing? I dig it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's like, of, of, as far as collections go, that's the only one I can really think of that yeah. like stands out to me over the yeah. last decade. Basically, I just want to include that. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, it's a collection. It's such a good moment. I was going to, uh, you know, in the next category, mm. um, which uh, we have concert tour. Yes. I was going to put out the 2020 experience, nice. like that concert tour yes. that we went on, uh, went to. It's like, oh, that was so a fantastic good. concert tour. I was happy that like we went, whenever our concert was in Nashville, whenever it came to Nashville, it was after the second half had come out. It was? It was. And okay. so like they were able to include all of those songs. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a, a fantastic, fantastic yeah. concert. Uh, my concert tour of the decade was Taylor Swift's Reputation Stadium Tour. Nice. August 25th, 2018. It's awesome. It was when I saw her in Nashville. So good, dude. And I talked about it then. Like I have never seen a more mind-blowing visual experience in person. There's just so much happening at all times. You couldn't look, you couldn't see it all. You couldn't look at it all. Yeah. It was just, it was insane. And like she was, the band was great. She was great. Like there's just a, there was an art to that concert. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's on multiple been, levels. She's been, you know, touring and doing that forever, dude. And yeah. so like it, it, it doesn't surprise me that that is like just the pinnacle. So I added an artist of the decade. Yes, I have that as well. Ooh. Um, the my artist is the Chainsmokers, and they debuted in 2012. Ah, uh, so I see what your criteria being like new artists that was within my idea, the decade. But mm. you can you can ears can be different. See, my criteria was just like what artist like Had throughout it. the decade yeah. most consistency for me, like as far as you know what well, I, I think I like to? mine like as soon as they debut, like I love their first EP. I have loved every album since then. They do all these singles with people. They like they're like they put out something with Kygo recently that's just like so freaking good. Like uh, they have been consistent since they debuted in a way that I haven't seen other artists do, at least for me personally. Yeah, and what I like, and uh, it, I, I, it honestly kind of like uh, it baffles me. It's kind of like Hans Zimmer. I'm like, how is Hans Zimmer so consistently good? How's Nolan so consistently good? How are the freaking chain smokers so consistently good? I don't know. Just skill? Yeah. Talent. So with my criteria. Yes. For me, lights. Oh yeah. It's the I mean it's it's, totally. it's the natural option. I mean, I feel like lights music just in general has like followed me throughout my yeah. life where it's like, oh, you know, this album came out right before like you know, Catherine and I got married. Yeah, and it's yeah. like this album came out like right whenever this thing happened. So like right before we like had Desmond or whatever, like she had a new album. It's, so it's like this artist just consistently putting out great stuff. Yeah. Great albums, really artistic, very like meaningful stuff to my life specifically. Yeah. And so uh so that's 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 the artist of my decade. I so. thought about like my my with my uh album of the decade. I thought about making it her acoustic album. Yeah, it's a uh, good Midnight one. Midnight Machines. Midnight it Machines. Is so good. So good, man. Uh yeah. So uh, Moving into I think the book category, yeah, so, which I have nothing for. Okay, you have no books. No books. So this is the thing. So I I was trying to find uh for two categories and I found, I couldn't think of anything. Book series uh and like I first I was thinking about the Hunger Games, but not in not this released decade. in that decade. Um, and then fiction book, and I was talking about thinking about Children of Huron um, by J.R.R. Tolkien, like I was talking about earlier. Not in this decade. Mm -hmm. um, I could have done one of the follow-ups, but I didn't like them as good as well. And I just didn't have. I guess for both of these categories, I didn't have much like the that other category, whatever it was that I talked about. I didn't really have anything that like stuck out as my favorite one, but I did have a favorite nonfiction book. Uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier came out September 5th, 
2017. So that was so you were talking earlier about the behind the scenes on making God of War. Yep. This is like behind the scenes on making ten different games. Yeah. And it's like it is so good. Uh, if you've ever wondered how not only just games get made, but just like the creative process and iterative process works. Yeah. This is a great book for that. And if you're specifically interested in games, uh, you can. Um, the, you get a behind the scenes look that I don't feel like I've seen before. Yeah. He's, he's such great writing. He does like investigative journalism pieces for Kotaku, but the book is just like so much more in depth because he has more time to, to tell the story. I dig it. I dig it. I have it over there on the shelf. Just haven't read it yet. Uh, my favorite audiobook was talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell came out September 10th, 2019. Yeah. Dude. It's so was your like, pick of the week a couple weeks ago. Week. I think it was your pick of the week before that before, yeah. you know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, dude, it's so good. Um, it's like his podcast. It, the premise is, is fantastic where it's like, you just like, you can't, it's hard to understand. Like, why do we, uh, as humans misunderstand people we don't know why? And he goes through, like he uses like examples throughout history. Like why did, um, uh, why did Winston or not Winston Churchill? Why did, um, the guy before Churchill, uh, uh, Chamberlain. Why did Chamberlain misread Adolf Hitler so badly whenever he met him in person and his motivations? You know, like, so it goes from that, like that level down to like why, uh, he has like examples. Of how was there a Cuban spy in the, the U S government for literally like 10 years without us figuring it out whenever like, like she would keep her code breaker in her purse. Like it wasn't like there. She's hiding things. It's like it's just right in front of our faces. And this, how how can we not tell when other people are lying, blatantly lying to us? Um, it's just it's such a great. And you hear all these interviews and clips and audio pieces from all these people. Like it's so good. Super cool. Um, I dig it. Yeah. Uh, the next category. We have some theme park stuff. We have theme park attraction, which you have down as Avatar. Flight of Passage. Super good. March 27th, 2017 was when it debuted. Literally my favorite ride I've ever been on. Yeah. And I know we've talked about it like a ton on here. Yeah. But it's just it's just so good. It's really good. And it's like you you say the description and you're like, oh, so it's like a simulation kind of a ride. But it's like it's so yeah. much more than that. Like there are certain things in there where you're like, I still don't know how they do that. I know. It's a huge screen and you feel like you're flying and you feel like you're doing all these things and you're actually riding this uh, creature and... Uh, it's yeah. breathing. It's you breathing. feel it breathing. You yeah. feel its wings flapping. It's, it's like a, it's ridiculous. I never thought that I would like say like or be like super like like Avatar. It's just not one of my favorite movies. No, but it's one of my favorite rides. And like we were there on opening day, uh, I, like that was just a coincidence. Yeah. Like that that worked out. Uh, but I'm super glad we were because of this ride. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so good. My theme park attraction is the Rise of the Resistance, which I talked about earlier. Mm. Um, it came out last decade, but it's like I wrote it in this decade, so I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> it's kind of just not, you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, theme park world, we are both in agreement yes. that it is Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Mm. Just a really immersive place. Like, I, I love the fact that they took this thing from the books and, like, yeah. worked with J.K. Rowling so much to, like, get it right. Uh, it, it came out in uh, on June. June 18th, 2010. So snuck in there. Yeah. So uh, good, man. The uh, Or like launched us off into this decade. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like just being able to go get your wand, pick it out at Ollivander's and like all the things that I, it actually feels like real magic a lot of times. It really going does. Going doing things. Um, and they've continually added. They started with like that one and then they add, which one did they start with? They, they started, started with Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Yep. Then they added. And Hogsmeade. Then they added um, Diagon Alley. Yep. And then they just added, I saw the other day, added a new ride. It's uh, like a, 
It's the Forbidden Forest ride. Yeah, there's a uh, the motorbike adventure. Uh, it's, it's, it's you're riding on a motorbike and it's a roller coaster through the Forbidden Forest. It's got storytelling elements on a roller coaster. Super Supposedly, cool. it's amazing. Um, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, dude. It's like the, the way <laughs> that they nailed that land and then that those experiences. It's just like like no other, and it changed the uh, the game as far as a theme park goes. Yeah, because like that caused Disney to to up their game and like do the Avatar Tar Land and to yep. do Star Wars Land. We wouldn't have those things without no. uh, Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, there weren't really like land, uh, areas like I mean, there were areas in Universal that were like like Simpsons World or right. whatever. Like, but they weren't like to the heights right. of this and to the like, detail. Where it's like, like film this is, accurate almost. Yeah, this is like ripped from the movie. You yeah. know, um, moving into sporting event. I don't have anything here. Sporting sporting event of the decade. Yeah, did you have the, something? Yeah, the 2011 World Series. Oh wait, I do have something. The here. St. Louis Cardinals. Beat the Texas Rangers, dude. So good, so good. Like one of number one, one of the best uh, World Series in recent memory. That's right. Uh, it was so dramatic, yeah. And like it was so up against the wire all the time, especially as a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Uh, that um, it, it, like there nothing can be. I I have it on Blu-ray. I probably watch it once a year. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, I definitely watch, and I've I I, uh, I definitely watched the the uh, NC. LS no wait in NLCS yeah. game the one that like we actually watched I think the the night before your wedding yeah um uh I watched that a lot too yeah I remember like my experience with that that sporting event was like listening to it on our honeymoon like mm-hmm. was like oh the, the cardinal game is on like let's get the app out and like you know, <laughs> listen to the listen to the game so like yeah. we listened to it as we were like traveling down the the highway one on the beach in California so, so fantastic the, the night of the last game so it went to game seven. And like game six was just, or game five and six were like these crazy, like crazy uh, games. But six was a comeback win uh, to keep us alive because we needed to win two in a row. That's right. And uh, so I had a concert at the Walnut House that night. I I ran an event venue in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee during that time. And we had a concert there. And so like I was recording the game at home. And, but so I was avoiding all the scores and all the internets. But the, the, the guys I had working there uh, with me, my interns, were they were teasing me all night with just like they were watching the score and like they were just like, oh man, and I'm like, what? Stop it! You can't, you can't do this to me. I gotta, I gotta have to watch. So I ended up like, you know, I didn't watch this thing till like 2 a.m. I go home and I, I sit there and I watched it straight for like, and That's so awesome. I, I think I ended, I think I ended at like four or something like that. I don't know. It's amazing. Something crazy. I love it. It was amazing. I love it, dude. On to podcasts. We yes. have nonfiction podcasts. We both are in agreement on, mm. I think, all of the rest of these. Okay. All right. So nonfiction podcasts. We'll go through these. Uh, stay on target. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. Nonfiction, <laughs> non- baby. Nonfiction podcasts. <laughs> uh, serial. Sp- season one specifically. Yeah, season one specifically. It launched on October 3rd, 2014. I will never forget that first episode whenever they start off with like asking the question, like, and, and like, how much do you remember from the past few days past week how about the past like you know and go through this whole thing and it just like triggers you like you're you're like oh man i don't remember that much and then it launches into this whole story where we're asking people to remember things that happened you know weeks and months before years before and Mm -hmm. a lot of times and uh it's kind of like uh it reminds me of talking to strangers in that sense where it like dives into just like the psychology of things yeah um but then the story that it told and the impact it had on culture were like, did he do this? Yeah. Do you think who's did when Jay's a crazy character who murdered 
this person. It's just like, and the fact that it actually, this podcast impacted the, and, and uh, created a need for a, uh, an appeal. Mm-hmm. And they actually heard an appeal finally yeah. because of the power of this podcast. Yeah. That's wild. Now, he didn't end up getting out. But that's the part of the thing. It's like, did he? Uh, we don't know. I mean, it's just like uh, it's just one of those things. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you you definitively like it's it's fascinating to me. Like the fact that yeah, you're right. Like it had a real like effect on it. Yeah. And uh, you're like, is this dude lying to me? Right. And and the questions like you kind of go back and forth a thousand times like during that that whole thing. It also changed the game as far as podcasting goes. Like totally. it, it it opened the door as far as like uh different types of podcasts. Like yeah. the next podcast, the the fiction podcast, yeah. definitely wouldn't exist no. because its premise is essentially <laughs> serial but in yeah. the Halo universe. Yeah, so a uh, fiction podcast of the decade is Hunt the Truth, season 1 and 2. Yeah. Uh came Fantastic. out March 22nd, 2015. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's it's a radio drama. Yep. And uh, I recently found. I, I need to go back and look, but I was reading some kind of article. Like there was uh, there were famous people in this in this uh, thing. I didn't realize it was their voices, but they yeah. were there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's so it's good, real good. And even if, like, you don't, even if you don't like Halo. Yeah. Even if you're not into Halo at it's all, like a radio if you, drama. If you like anything that's sci-fi, like if yes. you like sci-fi based things, like this is this is up your alley. Yeah. Do it. You know, just listen to it. And I just so finally I just threw this in there because I was like. The app of the decade. <laughs> okay. Instagram launched October 6th, 2010. Cool. I mean, have you spent any more time somewhere else? That's the only place. Like, that's that's my my social media of choice. Mine, like, too. I don't really care for, you know, a ton of the other uh, the other social medias yeah, as I'm much as I do Instagram. I'm basically off Facebook at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, I it's just like, I, sometimes I, like, I'll open it and I'll be like, why did I do that? You know, why am I on it? here? You know, because it's like, you know, or I'll open something and I'll, I'll reach like, a, it'll be like, oh, my stress level just ticked up slightly. <laughs> Close, you know, yeah. and then like, but on Instagram, I can cruise that all day long, yeah. man. It's great. I still like Twitter, I just, but I didn't get in, into it until like, you know, probably halfway through, like I, uh, probably halfway through the decade. Yeah. Like I feel like so Twitter's is more of a. I like to see like, so if there's a Cardinal game on or something like that. Yeah. Like I love to see people's reaction. Yeah, I, like I live reaction. Twitter is more more of a live reaction yeah. to things that are happening in the world kind of place. And it's a really fascinating look at the the world. But like you said, like Instagram, like the fact that it's photography, it's like yeah. it's. It's something that's su- super special about that, like yeah. where it's like it, it it presents you with really interesting things, and then the fact that like oh they they basically adopted the Snapchat kind of thing with yeah. live stuff now. It's just like it's it's been a really like good ride, and and uh, I appreciate even like the ads aren't obtrusive no. really. No. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was long. How long is this podcast? Uh, One hundred twenty nine minutes. Oh man, I mean that's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Not Two terrible. hours. Not yeah. terrible. Um, so that's all of our favorite things of the decade. John, we can't do another one of these for 10 years. For 10 more years, man. That's, uh, that's crazy. Um, that's going to be, uh, episode, uh, 850, I guess would be 10 years from now. Yeah. Uh, 850? Yeah. 850? It'd be 850. Dude, episode 1,000, we got to do something special. I know. We got like, to, gotta, like, do it in a blimp or something. That's insane. Like, literally, like, we got to just, like, <laughs> do it in the weirdest possible, like... 1,000... How, how did they get in that 20, spot? That's 20 years worth of podcasts. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I mean, I'm in. All right. Why not? All right. <laughs> um, next week, we are going to look back 
at the past just year. Yeah. Okay. It's like we've already done the decade. Like let's whittle this down to the yeah. last year. And I've actually like it's interesting. I have very very different things to talk about oh, totally. for 2019 than for the decade. Like um, whenever we talked about like this this one being the decade, I was like, oh, let me yeah. reframe my entire mind. Yeah. Because like I'm ready for the 2019 one. Yeah. Like that just happened. And we may combine it with a look forward at 2020. Or not? I don't know. We don't. I don't. I haven't decided like how much content we actually have there yet. I don't know how much you have. Maybe you have more than I do. I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't made a list. I don't know. I mean, I have a few things. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have like top games. Like, I have yeah. top like you know movies, so, like so that type of thing. Yeah. So. I, okay. I take it back. I can think of things easily. So we'll, yeah, we'll do that next. And then the following, we'll look forward. I think that's the that one airs on uh, January thirty uh, first. And uh, we'll look forward. Let's just hope that they announce at the rest of the, everything at, for the following, like for 2020, oh gosh. by that time. Like they announce the console dates, they yeah. announce the games that are coming out with that. We'll at least know a lot of movies that are coming out for sure. Um, That's always. We also the need case. to do a retroactive on how we did with reviews. Terrible this past oh, year. Oh, it was bad. I'll just uh, be upfront and honest about that. It was it was it was pretty bad, man. Yeah, we I, had we had high hopes, but we had a couple of other like we we tried to up the game, and it should have been like okay, well at least let's just stay the same, maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, like it's it, it's we definitely didn't even do that. we didn't even do that, but we did like swap some out where it was like yeah, oh well, rather true. than doing that one, we're gonna do this other one that was that's like true. you know. So we did some that were unexpected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com on social at Chris Wright two five zero and John Wright seven 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 and at StayInTargetPod. Please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. And this decade. decade. Oh my goodness, dude. (laughs) We'll see you next time on Stay Stay on Target. Target.